Sorry, I cannot be on the show anymore, but I am going to have my baby in Romania. Not really. Who are you? It's Alina. Oh, oh, Alina. Final episode. This is your last chance, Gemma. I'm bummed Do out. Alina on the show. Oh, no, she might come back. I think time. she's going to come back. Yeah, I, I think that Alina should just be a um, regular guest spot on the show. I think so. She's too. probably got lots to say about what happens in Corrie. Yeah. At any point. As long as it's to do with Tyrone and Fizz, I don't think. She's met any other characters no, <laughs> during that time ever, of course. Yeah, maybe. Oh, Gemma, we're in our new house today. Hang on. Welcome to episode well, welcome. 488 I just, I, of Conversation we can be Street. About it over here. Episodes broadcast between the 13th and the 17th of September. And there was like, what, a million episodes this week at Roundabout? We had 10,000 uh, 10, 10, episodes. <laughs> well, we've watched them all now. <laughs> um, that's episodes 10,426 to 10,433. I'm Gemma. I'm Michael. And this is our new house. Just imagine it, everybody. It we is. haven't put any pictures up online or anything yet, so you can just imagine and our palatial surroundings. We've upgraded massively. We have. We're here. And We're excited. It's very comments. stressful. Like, oh, how did you afford <laughs> We just managed it somehow. Thank you very much well, to my great been... auntie Belle. <laughs> yeah. And we've also been living in a in a very small place. The last place, the, the place that we've been time. recording our podcast in for the last nine and a bit years was our first home together. And it was something that we moved into, what, 15 years or so ago? And we thought, we're not going to stay here for too long. It was a good little starter home. But it was minuscule and we it's outgrew it somewhat. Very, It was very small. And I remember um, I always wanted to grow asparagus. And I never did because I was like, I'm not going to grow asparagus because it takes about three years to get going. And I don't know how long I'm going to be here. <laughs> Yeah, no, we are. It's it's amazing. I'm so happy that we're in. Um, we we moved in on Tuesday. It still wasn't without its stresses, was it? Our solic- we didn't even we haven't heard from our solicitor since. I know, but I'm worried now. All week, maybe. I think on Monday they're going to phone us up and say get out. No, we're definitely here now. You're not allowed to do that. You're allowed to show a bit of excitement. It's amazing. I I love our new house. And we had some friends around yesterday, which is why we're late recording today. We had a barbecue and we showed them around them. We hadn't shown them any pictures. We didn't even tell them where we were moving to. So we didn't want to jinx it and also wanted to keep it as a nice surprise. We wanted to show that, yeah, wanted, and then we let them explore the house by themselves because it is um, a strangely laid out house. It is a little bit. It's a bungalow that we're in. Um, so we, we've upgraded from a maisonette to a bungalow. <laughs> Maybe next we'll get a house with a staircase in. We've got little stairs about. Kind of. We? So it's a bungalow, but it was extended um, in the last, six seven years or so so it's got a it's got a big old lounge that wasn't there before and then it's it's kind of got a downstairs bit because the, the this this road that we're on is sloped isn't it so the back of the house slopes down we've got a bit of a slopey garden so underneath this lounge extension there's um how do you it's like a work in progress room shall we yeah, say it's not it's an unfinished room whether you can put anything in it yeah the uh, the person who lived here before one of the people that lived here before was a builder and um he he has been you know judging up the house for the past i don't know how many years because the original plan was for him to him and his wife to stay here forever wasn't it but they've had to move out now well they moved to go be nearer their family yeah yeah but he kind of put it together as a this is where i want to spend the rest of my life kind of home so he's done it all to jolly good quality extended it started off this new bit but had to stop it. So yeah, we've got kind of two rooms 
we have to you have to go out of the house around the garden and in and they're they're half finished and I think that's going to be a project for a long time but yeah it could be a podcast recording studio who knows I know we keep looking at it going we can have a podcast studio here we can have merch over here but then we'd have to explain to people why we've got why a room got, full of um why have you got the with foam all over the walls in this room well inside so I don't the room know. there is a little um extra like he inside the room there was going to be a tiny kitchen so separate separate room so there's like what like boards up to separate that part so that could be the podcast recording Uh, bit and then we could be like um is it bluebeard where we have a locked room in our house and no one's allowed in there i I don't know bluebeard he's the one that killed all his wives i don't know i don't know henry the eighth you sure you're not thinking of Henry VIII here, Gemma? I don't think Henry VIII had a <laughs> podcast room that you weren't allowed to go in. <laughs> oh, yeah, so at the moment we're in the bedroom because the lounge is quite big and echoey. Even this room sounds like it could be a little bit echoey. So we're, we're going to move around. We're going to move around over different weeks, possibly, to see if we can find the optimal um, recording position. But we've just, we're just full of boxes, and we will be full of boxes for many months to come, I fear. Um, we've got we've got some at Gemma's mum and dad's house still. We've got some storage lockers that we need to empty soon because we've been paying for them since beginning of the year. So it's, uh, it's going to be a gradual process, but very, very happy. I'm getting anxious about running out of storage space already. <laughs> this house is literally three, no, two, two and a half. Two and a half times. Not including the attic. Yeah, two and a half plus attic times bigger than the last house. But Gemma's still worried that all their stuff's not going to fit in it. And I think it's justified because you don't know what I've been doing. Huh? Oh, well, I kept going, I'll just buy this and put it in storage because we're going to have a bigger house. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I, I'm still I'm feeling a little bit stressed about it because I'm behind on my work because of all the house stuff. And I don't I was saying to you the other day that because I'm the sort of person that likes to get things done straight away, like I was always, you know, the, the SWAT school who wanted to do the homework as soon as they got it and that kind of stuff. I'm here and it's like there's so much that needs doing. There's this project. I just need to get on with it. And I've literally not been able to do anything this week, have I? Gemma's been spending a lot of the day doing the unpacking and everything. I've been here like a little slave working away. Mm. unpacking everything while well, you swan off to work yeah and and then we've, like the evening has come and we've barely been able to do anything so we're going to spend a bit of the rest of the day unpacking but yeah like I say it's going to going to be a bit of a long term project this we haven't put any pictures online or anything have we maybe people would like to see I don't know I don't know well but, yeah but yeah we're in, in the bedroom now which has got big old mirrored um, wardrobes which Gemma hates I hate them <laughs> I don't mind them too much but no. we can see each other we can like, see ourselves sorry I haven't probably today. looked in the mirror for about five years, I don't want to see myself. And also, it's bad feng shui, because <laughs> it sucks your energy out. Well, I don't think you can record this podcast with a paper bag over your head, because the no. acoustics are already a bit iffy already. I don't, I don't hold truck with feng shui all that much. But for some reason, I don't know if people remember this, this fad. I don't, if, you, if you're too, you might be too young to remember, but there was definitely, do you remember the fad in the 90s of feng shui, and everybody was going on about... How to arrange your... I know, it's been a thing. And the only two things that have ever stuck in my head is don't have a mirror opposite your bed because your energy will be leached out during the night. (laughs) And the second one is always close your toilet lids because your money will drain out. Oh, okay. 
So Rules to live that's by. why we can afford this house now, because I've diligently been closing toilets. That's why you moan at me for leaving the seat up all yeah. these years. Since the 90s, I've been saving <laughs> our money by closing toilet lids. And look at us now. Oh, Can gosh. you deny that it worked? No, very, very, very true. Oh, my alarm's that? going off. I'm just going off. We recorded early today. What time is it? It's half past nine this morning. This is the earliest we've ever recorded a podcast. We've got a lot to do today. But that's I still my alarm to say... to say, you need to get to work. Oh, Emma. okay. We, I want to say thank you very much to everyone who wished us well this week and who has been wishing us well for the many months that we've been going through this awful process of buying a house, but worth it in the end. Thank you as well to everybody who liked my picture that I put on the internet the other day of me pretending to be Gail sitting on a box. That, that seemed to do quite well that. on social media. And... Um, Oh, that's about it, really. Thank you, everybody. Sorry for all the moaning. Yeah, no, um, well, speaking of moaning, I don't think we can afford to do our solicitor rant quite yet, can we? We haven't got time for this podcast. I know some people are, rec- are looking forward to it. It will come. We, we could fill the whole bonus podcast I don't ever want to think about rant. it or talk about it ever again. Well, by the way, speaking of bonus podcast, I hope you all enjoyed my interview with Maximus Evans earlier this week. Wasn't he a lovely chap, wasn't he? Yes. I, mean, I haven't seen him on Corrie this week, but um, you did get to get your Corrie fix. I listened to our bonus podcast, which he's came great, out on Monday. He? he was really, really nice chat, really, really lovely, yeah. And he's moving too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, 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 he, ha- he has been moving house, yeah. Everyone is. Everyone's moving at the moment. Um, well, also, if you didn't, if you weren't able to catch it on the podcast for some reason, you might have been listening to Manchester Radio the other day. That's because right. they showed a clip of our podcast they, on Manchester Radio. They played a clip. They played a clip, including that, including the bit where I bloody said at the beginning, oh, Corey, I'm sorry, Max, how do you feel about the fact that Corey was found guilty? Idiot Michael. Well, maybe it's a spoiler and he does get found guilty eventually. Oh, no. He's, I, I mentioned it to him afterwards. I said, oh, I can't believe I said you were, uh, that Corey was guilty. He's like, I didn't even notice. So maybe oh, you I didn't thought... notice, listeners, or maybe you just shook your head and rolled your eyes at me. But now the whole of Manchester have heard it. And abroad. Yeah, so because Gemma, why, why were we on... in, diff- in a different country? What do you want really to talk cool. about this story? Well, um, on what day was it? Wednesday. Wednesday, Tuesday? you texted me and you said oh, I assume you don't want to do this because I'm always scared of doing interviews on the radio. I don't really like doing it. I get really nervous. And you were in such a bad mood and so miserable I have been in a bit of a bad mood. That I said, yeah, I'll do it. Just because I'm stressed out about school. Anything to make you happy. And home. Yeah, Yeah, you've got a really hard time at work. This is Radio Manchester, who I spoke to earlier in the year. I spoke about um, Sharon and Jenny. Um, and they texted me the other day saying that they do a regular weekly podcast feature or something, yeah. was it? And they um, said, do you want to be on that? Yeah, said, that was no, very nice Gemma of them. Might. Yeah, so um, I said, I'll do it. And then I spent the whole morning, because um, they said, oh, because the award that Corey's been getting all these awards, we thought it'd be a great time to uh, feature your podcast. I was like, brilliant, okay. So I went through all the awards. <laughs> what have they, oh, what's everybody won? Who, what is, what is the National Television Awards? Why do they exist? How long have they been running? Um, I, I made a folder on our desktop with everyone's pictures and their We all know that names. Gemma's not very good at remembering the names of characters Literally, or their actors sometimes. No, so I, I put their little cheat sheet for myself. It was all organised and then they phoned me up and they, when you do radio often, they'll, phone, they'll use FaceTime, won't they? Uh, yeah. With, but with audio only. And... Because we don't have internet here, it didn't work. So I was running around the house on the phone to the guy who's um, who was the presenter called Phil, because it was a pre-record. I was running up and down the house going, hello, 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 <laughs> hi, hello, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hi, Phil, hello, hello, up and down the house, literally running and running. And then they phoned me back on a different number, which worked. But by this point, I'd run away from my notes and I was in the front room 
um, on the like leaning on Abby's cat tree while she rolled around to the floor <laughs> sniffing catnip, getting high, and I had to do it there because literally I went up and down. Then he, then he phoned me back up. He's like, "Hi, Gemma, are you are you all right? Can I hear? Can you hear, hear me? I can hear you. Great." So, why did you start the podcast? And literally... That's oh, so, how... You haven't told me this whole story, actually, have you? So you just launched straight into it there. Yeah, without and I'd, your already, notes. I'd already had the first... We'd already done, like, the first question. Hmm. So I answered it slightly differently. Um, and by this point, I was huffing and puffing, so I'm glad it didn't come out on the, on the radio. <laughs> no. I thought you did really, really well. I listened to it on the way home from school. I was very, very proud of you. I think you did a... You're a great ambassador for the podcast oh, and, and for Coronation Street as well. You speak very, spoke very eloquently, better than I think I would have done. Oh, well, I was... Um, it was, the thing is, I've been through such a ringer recently and really emotionally wrung out. I couldn't really get too nervous about this because I was like, this is nothing mm. compared to all the other stuff that's been going so on. You, they asked you about like, your favourite stories, didn't they? You got a bit of a Pat Phelan mention in there. Sally Carmen, you get a never, name check, Molly Gallagher. You can never, ever prepare for what they're going to ask you because they always ask you something different. I know, I know. I, I've, I've done radio a couple of times and I've also made a few notes and it's, it's just a waste of time. Well, Phil You've got to actually lovely. know what they were, what yeah. you're talking and about. They'll, they'll, never, they'll never tell you what the questions are going to be because they kind of make them up. But Phil was really nice. Um, yeah, he sounded interested. Yeah. And then um, it was funny because he did a pre-intro on the show at the top of the hour to say what's going to come up. And he was like, um, oh, and today we've also got a, a husband and wife couple who've started a new podcast. Well, actually, it's been going for nine years. <laughs> Bit of a difference. It's a new nine-year-old podcast. <laughs> well, one of the things that he asked you as well was also, what makes your podcast unique? There's loads of podcasts around these days. Well, actually, when we started Conversation Street, say. there weren't any other soap podcasts, to, as far I, as I know. I kind of wanted to say that, because he's like, what What do you do to make yourself stand out? I was like, we didn't need to stand <laughs> we out. Did we a literally soap podcast. started first. That's our unique setting. There thing. had been a Coronation Street one a little bit briefly that yeah. Gander from the blog had done before, um, but, but that had stopped by the time Conversation Conversation Street started on. And I know there was yeah. nothing for Hollyoaks Reestenders or that's, I'm not even sure whether there still is even is an Emmerdale one at the moment. There's obviously some Aussie soap ones as well, but I don't know whether they were around when Conversation Street started. But yeah, we were we were proper trendsetters there. I think the thing about it, how do you stand out? Is literally every host is different, isn't it? Mm. And everybody like we there are other Cory soap uh, podcasts like Talk of the Street and they're great and I think um it's just your personality because we're you know we all chat in different ways and have different opinions yeah and, yeah and we we do the um you know the feature discussions and the interviews and everything as well we can say oh, that's they're very but i don't like the idea of having to like stand out because i think there's room for everybody oh, and yeah. i also think that you know obviously some people don't like us <laughs> so i'm glad that there's a different <laughs> podcast if you if you want to listen to somebody who's not annoying <laughs> anyway Definitely. um what was i gonna say uh, I can't remember, but um, it was it was fun and yeah. Well, well, if you can still listen to it, if you go to the BBC Sounds app, if you're in the UK, um, when was it Wednesday afternoon? It was two o'clock About show. Two thirty. Two thirty. A yeah. man called Phil. Yeah, but but you can see it here at abroad. Did you say? Yeah, people said they heard it in oh. America and stuff. There you go, go and get listening. Oh, I the thought Jones did a very good job. The thing I was going to say is. Um, it's a really weird experience listening to yourself back on the radio because whenever they will play a segment where either of us have done an interview, there will always be the Coronation Street theme tune played before. <laughs> and now that sound has a different meaning to me because of the fact that it gets played before <laughs> you appear on a TV so the, show. So you hear the Coronation Street theme tune and you think Conversation Street on the radio now? 
No, not necessarily, but it is weird that that now that don't you think it's cool that that noise that is the the actual theme tune of the show mm. also introduces us on occasion doesn't that is that oh, yeah, mind that's boggling quite, that's quite good that's quite good that makes us part of the show michael <laughs> oh one of the questions was oh does anybody from the show listen and i was like oh i can't say i think when i got a feeling when i was when they interviewed me earlier this year they might have asked this question i was like yeah well there's la, 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 la. I'm just showing off a little bit but you are a Maybe much more strained and well, yeah. I think I kind of insinuated that they listen and they hate it, but I don't think any, we've don't, never ever had think... anybody say that they didn't like it on who works on the show. I'm so sure probably... there must be some cast members who've listened to it and, and gone, hated nope. it, yeah, but they wouldn't ever say because they're probably scared <laughs> of us going, well, 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 I also... no, but what I mean to say is I'm that they're all very that. professional and nice about the show, yes, they are. They are either nice never... or they say nothing, which is. Probably the best approach. I think so, I think so. We'll just uh, see who avoids us whenever we go up to the set next. Oh, wow, we know we know one person. Do we? What, Notor- who? Notorious avoider. What, Kim Marsh? Not no. Kim Marsh. She, 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 she swooshed past us in the corridor last time we went there. Um, oh, and... Oh, uh, I, know who Simon... the, I know who the notorious avoider is you're talking about. Yes, Simon Gregson saw us in the corridor and went, ah, no. <laughs> and then he walked and went to the loo. Right, um, th- th- this is an exciting preamble, Gemma, but I-, I think with the amount of Coronation Street that is this week, we probably had better start talking about it soon. Um, oh, Gemma, what's going on? Gemma's just doing a bit of curtain twitching. No, we In don't this- have curtains. We don't have curtain twitching in this new house. We've got blinds everywhere and, and-, and there was just a noise outside, so we've just gone look and we're proper Ina Sharples in yeah. it, aren't we? We can feel that, the blinds. Simple. I don't think Ina had V-Lux or... Uh, what's no, what's this type of blind called? No, that's the... Oh, French? Yeah, but... Any... Roman? <laughs> I don't know. We've got to learn all this new lingo. We've got to learn how to take care of this house. I know. It's like nice thinking... and clean. The people before yeah. it have left it in such a nice condition. I think this must be one of those self-cleaning houses that you hear about. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But, um... We need to get a special like brush to, to dust the blinds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we're proper grown-ups, aren't we? I know. Literally, before it's just like anti back wipes, and that was about it, and do for anything. Yeah. Oh, we should. People might wonder if we're wondering about how Abby's doing as well. Oh, she's not having the best time. Abby, life. Abby's having a bit of a stressful time. We've had to keep her inside. She's not been allowed out because she might run away. And she's found a new hiding spot underneath the sofa, which is a bit terrifying. So I think Why I'm going to squash her. Why did you even say her. that on, on this was Wednesday, Wednesday morning, morning? I thought we'd lost her. I couldn't find her anyway. You tell, didn't tell me this until you found her. Because you were so stressed at work, and I was and I was looking for her for about five hours in this house, and walking around outside because I left a window open because this house is so hot. I left a window open. But you trapped her in a room not with without access to that window. There's no way she could have got out of that window. But when I looked to try and find her, so I went. I opened the window, went and had a shower because I had a headache, so I needed some clean air. Mm. Came back out of the shower. Closed the window and I went looking for her. She was nowhere. Couldn't find her anywhere. And it turned out she was inside the sofa. And I only found that out because I sat on the sofa to like have a cry and text my mum. Oh, did you having a cry? No, I was. I didn't get that far because I was too stressed. <laughs> I texted my mum and then suddenly from under the sofa I heard <laughs> the sound of which a cat. is the sound she makes when she's snorting. And I quickly demolished it and there she was looking at me like. What? So she's like gone. 
behind the, the cushions that you lean against and underneath the cushions that you sit on, she's found a little gap to squeeze in and she's never sat there before, has no. she? She's had, occasionally had a little sniff when we've been on the sofa, but now, now it's her place and I think she's just a bit overwhelmed by the whole move, poor thing. Well, yesterday she went, sat next, between the, the microwave and the wall. Yeah. Anyway, not having the best if we got any new listeners okay. from my radio appearance they've gone now because sometimes we talk minutes. about coronation street on this podcast we don't very but, often know. dedicate so much time to talking about non-coronation this things. is a big life event for us everybody please yeah. indulge this is one of the us. top five most stressful things to do yes next what's next um, death of a spouse yeah killing, <laughs> which one killing your spouse <laughs> have you got a quiz for me Gemma? because before we started this i said i bet you haven't been able to do a quiz this week have you and you said um I've got an idea. I've got a plan or something, so I'm a little bit nervous about this. Do I need? Have you? Do I need to be able to take? Um, oh, you got some pen and paper there. I've what written, are we doing? I've written. What have I written down, Michael? You've written a score one to ten. Yeah. What's this all about? Okay, now you're going to get mad about this, but I don't care. <laughs> um, I want you to tell me in because we the quiz is years ending in a one and a, and a six. Yes. I want you to tell me in 1961. Mm. The top ten appearing characters on Coronation Street. Where did this come from? I just thought it'd be fun. Okay, oh, I don't know, I'll bash it out. Annie Walker. Annie Walker is number three. Ina Sharples. Ina Sharples is joint number one. Oh, um, Elsie Tanner. Elsie Tanner is joint number one. Ken Barlow. Where... Ken Barlow is number 12. Oh, really? Not even in the top ten? Yeah. Um... Albert Tatlock. Albert Tatlock is number 10. He beat... Uh, oh, blimey. He beat... Um, he beat Ken. Ken by... Oh, I can't work out. Jack Walker. Jack Walker is number four. Nice. Dennis Tanner. Hang on, hang on. You're going too fast. Dennis Tanner's number nine. Okay. Um, right. Um, Minnie Coldwell. Number seven. Joint seventh. Um, Martha Longhurst. Five. How many have I got left? I'm doing quite well. I'm bashing these right out. Six and eight left. Or okay. joint seventh, I mean. Okay, okay. Uh, Len Fairclough. No. Oh, He's number 12 with Ken. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Um, Leonard Swindley. No. No. Leonard Swindley's pretty low. Is He's he? Is he not in it much? Oh, yeah, that's not so good. Um, I've, I've come to a grounding halt. Um, well, any, 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 two remaining they, people. Yeah. Oh, uh... Oh, oh, hang on. What? You've got Ian Shuffles, Elsie Tanner, Annie Walker, Jack, Jack Walker, and then, oh, Martha's joined fifth with someone. Oh. And then it goes Minnie, Gap, Dennis, Albert. So the next what? two people are a husband and wife. Not, not Frank, that wouldn't be no. Frank and I do, would it? Um, who was the husband and wife? They ended up being husband and wife, but they weren't at the beginning. Oh, Harry Hewitt and Conceptor yes. Riley. Conceptor is fifth and Harry is seventh. Yeah, you did that really I quickly. Did it. Oh, well done. Blimey. I like that quiz. Good. Ten, oh, good. ten I'm out of ten. You or more because they were extras. You only liked that quiz because you did it really well. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't forget anyone obvious. Right. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> Birthdays. We've got a very special birthday on the 19th. Oh, yeah, it's Sal's birthday. The tomorrow. lovely Sally Ann Matthews. Sally Matthews. Happy Danny birthday. Bradley, born. 
Then also, and she's she's up and doing her running again now, isn't she? She had her 50, uh, 50 for fifty k, which she wasn't Aww. able to wasn't able to finish because of her injury. But she is back on it again now. So Excellent. make sure you are sponsoring Sally and Matthews if you haven't done so already. It's for a very good cause. When you get injured and you have to stop, it's the most frustrating thing because you can't do anything about it. Mm. You have to wait. You have to t- let time. I was going to say take its toll, but that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> also that day, um, Eve Steele played Anne Malone. 21st September, um, Zenon Ditchett, who is Ardy Allahan the fourth. Not going to lie, the worst Ardy. <laughs> Why are you saying Happy that? Happy birthday. Uh, 22nd of September, Arthur Lowe and Linda Swindley. Second shout out for the character. I love Ardy. Um, 23rd of September, Robert, Rob James Collier played Liam Connor and also that guy off Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. And the 24th of September, it's director Craig Lines. Happy birthday to everybody who's got a lovely autumnal birthday. Oh my gosh, it's Gemma's birthday. Oh, when's your birthday? Is it like two weeks' time? (laughs) I've given it no thought. (laughs) You guys, do you know what you want for your birthday? Oh, I do. Do you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Are you going to give me the list or is it just one one item? It's one very expensive. Is it for the house or is it just something for you to wear? No, it's not. Do I get get to um, benefit from this at all? Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, we better start thinking about that then. We better start doing the blip blip show, is what we better start doing. The podcast and talk about this week's Coronation Street in Street Talk. So, after that exceptionally long preamble, I think we're ready to talk about this week's Coronation Street Street Talk section. Welcome, everybody, to our extra long, hopefully, well, it's extra long, Corrie. I don't know whether we're going to make it extra long here today, we Gemma. To we ain't got time. No waffling today because we've got lots to do and eight episodes to chat about and also eight storylines we had this week. Number one, Alina pops off. <laughs> obvious, obvious Goodbye, one. Sorry about you. I didn't know that she was going this week. I didn't either. I was really shocked and actually a bit sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had very differing that. opinions about we this. We did. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, next one, we've got Norris's death and, and we don't know where, how things are going to go next week. We don't know whether he's going to get buried or cremated. So I've got two storyline titles just to, to cover all bases here. We've got Coal in a Hole or Coal Burner. Depending on, um, I mean, it could be that they just, you know, throw him off the cliff into the sea or whatever, and then we can call it Chuck Norris. But <laughs> probably unlikely that one. But um, uh, up next, we have got the return of Kelly and Jelly. Which Kelly was, and Jelly. Kelly, Kelly and Jelly, which was a massive cliffhanger at the end of last week. What's Imran done? And this week, we're like, don't Imran really who? know. Don't really know. Um, then we've got the speed dial. I could, that was a rubbish storyline. I've got at the moment for the speed dial storyline, I've got scam or scheme. Because she's been scammed, or has she not been scammed? I don't know, I don't well, know. But Zidane's back. What do you mean scheme? What scheme? Somebody's scheming. No, I, I really don't know where that's even come from. Um, Max Payne is my next one. because Well, Max, colon, Payne. Because he's been a bit of a pain this week, hasn't he, Max? New Max, everybody. What do we think? Oh, we'll find out in a minute. Um, then we have a return. We've got some really mini... Um, returns for the characters profiled story with the Baileys. Um, we had a bit more of the eye-opener story, which is the Eileen opening herself up to George. Physically <laughs> and emotionally. And physically, figuratively and physically. And then a little bit of the summer loving, which I've left till last because that was the most hilarious thing we've seen on Gary for a long time. Oh my. I know some people hated some people it. But hated you knew, it. if you know us, you know we would have absolutely loved that scene. I could not believe what I was seeing. <laughs> I was loving every minute. Absolutely brilliant. But we have got seven more stories to get to before we do that. And I think, Gemma, as this is going to be your last chance before you retire your Alina voice, you can do Alina Pops Off. What's gone on with them this week? I'm never going to retire, Alina. 
Good, good. Um, you need to make it smaller so I can the window smaller. And you need to move over here. We're, I'm sitting on the opposite side. Yeah, usually I'm on the left and Gemma's on the right. But we've had to swap over because, like I said, we're in bed uh, today and, and, and I have to sleep next to the door just in case there's a crazy axe murderer that comes in through the night and then he attacks me first and Gemma can use me as a human shield. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not used and to I'm this And I can setup. escape out of the window. This is like your hands and deck swap positions, isn't it? Yeah, well, Don't get Gemma know. started on that, everybody. Sorry. Because everybody calls them the wrong thing. No, 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 you just do. Deck is clearly... Oh, here we go. The one with the big forehead, because his forehead's like a deck. And Ant is the small one, because he's like an ant. No, that's not how it And works. I will never listen to anybody who tells me that the little one's deck. We talked ant. about Ant and Deck on the podcast last week. They, they are new. I'm sorry. I don't know why people can't get this right. Right. Gemma. Alina. Alina. Pop, Alina's popping off this week. Monday, she's going on about this holiday where she wants them to go and she's starting to talk about churches in Romania to visit her family. Um, Yeah, she's kind of like trying to angle to get married there, it seems like. Mm. Um, Tyrone goes over to number nine and Fizz is annoyed. This was awful and I've heard stories about this um, happening and this just chills my blood. The parents ganging up together on WhatsApp to get hope excluded from the school because she's an arsonist now obviously if i was if my child was going to school with an arsonist i might start a whatsapp group but it's not very (laughs) nice is it to have people talking about you no and these little cliques of like parents i'm not going to say anything as a teacher but whatsapp groups are a thing yeah maybe things were better before whatsapp groups for parents and maybe things have been improved by it Maybe. Um, I have my own opinions, but I won't share them today. Tyrone wants to help and talk about it, but um, she won't let him in, or he won't let her in. You haven't... You've confused it. Sorry. Fizz tells... You've been very stressed this week, don't worry. Any mistakes? In my, by the time we get to Friday note, it's probably going to be completely nonsensical, because we had our friends around last night to show them the new house, like we said, and um, we ended up watching it at, like... 12, quarter past 12, we started watching it. Didn't get to bed until about half one, and I no. fell asleep. My friend. Don't got... know what that says about the quality of last night's episodes, but we had been told before they broadcast that they're not no. the best episode. We've before never... we watched them. Oh, so yeah, before we watched, not before they were broadcast. <laughs> How would people know? But, but yeah, well, when they were on, we saw some people online saying that Friday's episodes are a bit naff, and um, yeah, I fell asleep during them. <laughs> yes, you did. So um, Fizz tells Chesney about this group, and he hasn't heard about it. Then she... David's walking along, and she asks him if he has joined, and he. He starts saying, oh, I didn't look at it. I just automatically joined the Remove Hope State group. That was weird. Like, I, didn't, I didn't really get David's inclusion in this part of the story. Well, it was just sort of like... Is setting something up? Or? No, I just think it was just him, like, I... Like, you know, how people get sucked into these things, like, casually, without really thinking about the implications of what's going on. Apart from and Chesney, also, because nobody wants to invite Chesney to be in their WhatsApp group, clearly. I wouldn't. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that he's related to the people that are trying to get out. It's just, he's just Chesney. He, yeah, so he's trying to make excuses because he's embarrassed that he's joined this group. Then he, she has a go at Maria for not telling her about the group earlier. And then Captain Gingerbeard, who is called... Phil. Phil. I wrote here, Captain Gingerbeard sails into port because I couldn't remember his name. But it is Phil with two L's. Welcome back, Phil. And he's heard about the group because his niece goes to Bessie Street and Fizz just starts crying in front of him because she's kind of emotionally wrought out, but also she's grateful because he's actually listening to her. Nobody else has listened to her or tried to help her apart from Tyrone. And he's just trying to get in her pants. So, well, so's Phil. Anyway, <laughs> Evelyn comes... Phil is a gentleman, Gemma. Evelyn comes in and they get introduced and Phil invites 
Viz out for dinner. And I think by the end of the week, they should have a free meal on the bistro. I, I think they're trying to fill in one of those loyalty cards. You get a stamp every time. And then at the end, you get a free starter. Everybody it? on the street has got a loyalty card for both the bistro and speed dial and Chariot Square Hotel. The only places to go, literally. <laughs> right, so... Um, you said Evelyn... you go to Google and type restaurants near me. Three hits. <laughs> There's only three, and that's one, it. one of them's a hotel. In M, what is it? M10 5DP. What, is, did you remember that? I think that is the um, that is the postcode for speed doll. I think that's a little bit of a rude postcode. I know, that's why I remembered it. <laughs> so, um, Evelyn's going, yes, yes, go, go, for, go for a meal together. David then sees Tyrone, tries to apologise, but he's fuming, and David soldiers away. I think this was, I think Monday's, David was just to remind us that David has children. Yeah. Because <laughs> we just never see... to warm see, us up for Max. We literally never see Dad David, do we? No, I don't like David being a dad. No, me either. He doesn't seem like he has kids to me. <laughs> I, I, whenever I'm reminded that there's like, he's got Lily and Max, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a really dull p- facet to his personality. And also, it is it's kind of funny that Max looks like he's he could eat David alive. The size of New it. Max. Are you talking? Um, I've I've lost where I am again. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is when Phil outside number nine. So he asks Evelyn what's going on with Phil and Fizz. And she says, do not even think about sabotaging this relationship. You've you've left her. It's her time to do what she wants. So he goes into the the bistro, Tyrone, and finds them in there and feels like oh well i think i'll go to the loo and leave you two to chat and fizz is like i'm fed up with you i'm, I'm sick i'm sick of this i'm thinking of moving away from here to get away from you and everybody else because she's feeling very isolated now and he says no i miss you i can't stop thinking about you <laughs> trying to come on to her he's just like the, the end of last week he was saying oh i, I think I, I like fizz and, and now he's just like he's totally given up on alina hasn't he yes. anybody could have been listening by yeah. this point. He's begging. He's got yeah. no dignity left. He's begging for nope. her to take Desperate. him back. She's not... She does like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this information. What about Alina? I'm not pining for you anymore. You can staff off, basically. Thought that was fantastic. That was a surprise. This, I mean, everywhere no where way. this is going this week, I, no I think... No way. I'm sorry. Well, not... not. I mean, if I was in Fizz's position, maybe I would be telling Titus stuff off. But um, I'm sorry, the, the way that I thought the storyline was going, it was just going to be a nice little reunion for Fizz and Tyrone. We'd be very happy about it. But now we've got Fizz back... Uh, Phil back in. I still think they're probably going to end up together. But to be honest, I really like Phil and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say no to Phil staying with us for a little bit. I can't believe, Tyrone, the ghoul of this man. What, who does he think he is? He's not a catch. He's like, I've had my bit on the side now. I've had my younger model. Can I go back? Oh, there's a man, there's a delivery man outside the window. <gasps> okay, we're oh, back. Oh, we're back we're for back. the delivery. We're back. This is, this is good because we were sitting, I was sitting in the bedroom and we got a, a nice view of anyone who comes to the door and they're sitting, why, what, and they're probably thinking, why are they sitting there in bed together talking to a computer screen? Never mind. No, they're like, must be a podcast. Must be, must Everybody's be. A, that looks got... like a podcasting studio, a mirrored podcasting studio. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, we've got some chairs delivered for our new decking outside, very fancy. Anyway, where were we? Tyrone goes to find Alina in the Rovers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tells her about Fizz wanting to leave. And he, um, he says that he doesn't want her to. And he needs to stay here. 
And he's moaning at her about the fact that she's organised this holiday without even asking him. He was fine with it, like, five minutes ago, and now... He was never really that fine with it. He was pretending to be fine. I mean, when, he, when she was talking about it earlier, he was tapping away on his phone to Fizz. He's just, like, get, having to dog. go along with it. Oh, oh, mm, cry. I've got no sympathy for this man. I do. <laughs> yes. I don't like Tyrone. Hope and Ruby need him there, he says, because he's been such a great and engaged father up to this point. He hovers around the door of the bistro, um, waiting for Phil and Fizz to come out. And Kirk's just whittering away. I can't remember what he's talking about. He's still loitering there as Phil and Fizz walk down the street and Phil invites her out again tomorrow. Um, um, so he's just like fuming and jealous. He goes back home. Alina's there. I've cancelled, I've cancelled the you. holiday. Um, I just don't want you to be so sad. I am frightened that you are getting closer to fees again. Never mind. I love you. And Tyrone's like, oh, crap. <laughs> She's so nice. She's so sweet. Yeah. She's done nothing wrong. Yeah. I don't know how you can be so horrible to this <laughs> poor girl. She's got nobody else. Think about this. She's a trafficking victim. <laughs> she makes me feel bad. You're a bad person, Michael. She's a trafficking victim alone in a foreign country. Yeah, and she's trying to no start family. her own... She literally asked this man for help, right, to start her own business so she can be independent. And then he, like, seduces her. No, she seduced him. And, then, lures, and then leaves his family... On to promising her, you know, the world, and then five minutes later, he's like, I'm not going to Romania to see your family. <laughs> I know, I really, really should feel sorry for her. I just can't. I don't. Tyrone is so, feels so bad for himself. Michael, you don't need to join in. He's got enough pity for the entire nation for himself. <laughs> he goes in to see um, Evelyn at the shop and starts crying. Oh, the holiday. Oh, Alina's so nice, but I love Fizz now. Did, did never appreciate her at the time. Oh, you stupid spanner. I told you this at the time. You didn't listen to me, Tyrone, and I was shouting quite loudly at the television. He says he thinks he might have made a massive mistake. <laughs> Everyone around the country is going, yes. She says to him, you can't just go breaking Alina's heart and spoiling things for Fizz when she's just starting to get together with Phil. You need a good night's sleep. And he goes home and cries. This is at the end of this episode. I was like, oh, poor Tyrone. Oh, he's got himself into such a situation. And what a pickle. And you're like, ah, oh, Jasper Tyrone, string him up. Yeah. Um, Serves him right. I was going to say, also, let's normalise men being able to cry when they're sad. Okay. I don't have anything against... I don't want anyone to get the impression that I'm making fun of him for crying because I think more men represented on television allowing their emotions to come out when they feel like they need a bit of a cry. Good, healthy. Are we allowed to call him Cryrone now? <laughs> or is that, is that making fun of well, it we, were, we called We called um, Rana Weatherfield Waterworks. Yeah. So I think it's equal opportunities <laughs> mocking, isn't it? Um, on, yeah, let's, let's normalise men being able to cry so we can make fun of them without being sexist. <laughs> That's what I want out of this, out of this world. <laughs> on Wednesday, Hope doesn't want to go to school. Because everyone's Join being the mean club, to hope. her. Well, I hope nobody's being mean it. to you because I'll kick their butts. I, I hope there's not a WhatsApp group saying let's get rid of Mr. Dodson, but you know, I wouldn't think be there surprised. might be. <laughs> there be surprised I wouldn't be surprised. They're horrible to you. Are you in it, Gemma? <laughs> well, I started it, but I don't really, <laughs> don't really participate. That's because you want me to hang around and help tidy up and I'm you know, at home. if you don't have a job anymore, this house, the mortgage on it. I know. Somebody's got to pay it, <laughs> and it's not me. I'm buying chairs. <laughs> anyway, I was saying, 
Tyrone and Alina both arrive to try to take Hope to school and persuade her that school is the place to be. And anybody who can persuade a child to go to school when they don't want to mm. needs to be on but the sales this is, team. This is when Alina starts offering these parenting tips up to Fizz. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about, ma- madam. Fizz is their mum and you're telling her what she needs to say. What would she say? Like, oh, you just need to be, you just need to be firm with them. It's like, it's not off, Alina. It's not your, it's not your place to tell Fizz how to look after her This girls. was to demonstrate how naive and out of her depth Alina is. I think that many parents will have had somebody who don't doesn't have children telling them the best way and we've probably done this on the podcast before like how to parent your own children by someone who doesn't have kids if elena was making her own podcast where she just you know dished out advice to any all and sundry fine well this was (laughs) this is elena trying to sort of also assert her position in the family as the stepmother Mm. Um, and saying like she's like when when we're married I'm gonna do this and that with yeah. Hope um, and Hope's like not having it uh, not going so Tyrone and Alina have to stay at home from work to look after her Alina invites Hope she's oh Hope I've got a surprise for you would you like to be the flower girl at the wedding no what, she no, does not I don't she's oh. I ate you you stole me dad and now he doesn't love me anymore oops Tyrone gets really furious. I've never seen him so cross with his kids before. He tells Hope she's gone too far this time. Actually, he's probably got mad when she's fired to things. Yeah, um, I think he had. Didn't he smash her iPad or was that fizz? I can't remember. One of them did. I'm trying to imagine smashing the iPad and instead I've got the vision of um, fizz with the shopping board bashing <laughs> what's her face to death. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he's proper mad. He's proper mad. They go back to the flat. Most co- oh, yeah. Hope's calmed down. Yeah. Alina kind of shows that she's not actually too bad a parent. I, I thought this was a bit weird because it, Hope, she, Alina is able to tame this lioness, isn't she? And um, Well, she admits she stole the apologize. teddy and apologises. And Tyrone tells Alina that she's handling this better than he could have done. So Alina takes Hope back to see Fizz and uh, all seems to have gone well. Hope's sorry. She didn't mean to hurt anybody. And then she drops the bombshell and this is kind of the catalyst for the breakup of Alina and Tyrone. Even though Tyrone's been trying to... This is the thing. Tyrone's been trying so hard to get out of this relationship with Alina by doing nothing. <laughs> by trying to get Fizz back first so that he'll have somewhere to live. Yeah. Literally. A bit of a buffer. He really... If he was serious about not wanting to be with Alina anymore, he would have broken up with her before he started going out trying to get Fizz back. He's just a dog. I'm sorry. Don't like him at all. But I love, to, I love to not like him, so that's fine. Anyway, the bombshell that Hope drops is that she's sorry that she hurt the fire and she didn't mean to she hurt, hurt anybody. She the fire. What did I you say? You said she's sorry that she hurt the fire. <laughs> she should be you mad that other people... hurt fire. Other people hurt the fire by putting it out. Uh, yeah. These are Hope's children. <laughs> I'm sorry I started the fire. I didn't mean to hurt anybody or with the other fires either. And Alina's like, what? Hang on a minute. What do you mean, other fires? Um, she, she's, she's furious. You didn't tell me. And then she walks out because now she knows that this wasn't just a fluke or an accident or a childish prank that went wrong. This is a serial arsonist who's responsible for the death of her child. I think it had, had already been established that Alina didn't know about um, Hope's uh, arsonism, but it... It, it was a surprise to me. I don't know why it wouldn't have come up before. 
apart from because the they were deliberately no purposes. they were deliberately hiding it from Alina I think yeah I, I, I think they were but I don't I don't know whether you just somebody else would mention it. I don't know anyway, Ruby might have mentioned it anyway um, Tyrone goes back I mean Alina goes back to Tyrone and says I found something out um, and she's the, he's like oh you know about the fact that me and Fizz kissed because I forgot about that as well and he says and she says no um I know about the fires that Hope has been setting. How many other secrets are you keeping from me? Then he just admits that he and uh, Fizz had a moment the other week and they kissed each other and she's absolutely gutted. He tries to excuse himself and say, oh, we had all this history, blah, 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 blah. And she, out with it, says, do you want to get back with her? And he doesn't say no. He says, it's not that straightforward. Oh, my God. He's still hedging his bets a little bit, isn't he? And then Alina's, like, really cutting here. Did you really love me or was it just the idea of me? Oh, she realises now that Tyrone was not really in love with Alina. He was in love with anyone who filled an Alina-shaped hole. It was, it was, it was always obsession and infatuation. It was, became very clear quite early on in the relationship that he felt out of his depth. Just as soon as she, she started putting those hashtags up on the wall or whatever, he realised that this is not, he, he didn't realise what he was getting into, but he was uh, too proud to back down. And now he realises that he's got himself into a bit of a hole. Whoops. Um, an Alina-shaped hole. Mm. Phil turns up at number nine for his lunch date to Fizz and she's forgotten all about it because she's fast old. And he says, I don't mind. I'll take you out whether you're ready or not. And she says, I can't. I'm too frazzled, which is what I just said. Don't know why I've uh, picked that word up twice. She gives her smile to herself because he agrees to stay for a cup of tea. And, you know, I find Phil, um, I, I like him, but he's far too accommodating with all this nonsense, isn't he? He's not a real person. He's no real person. Ju- he's just supposed to be the perfect man. No real person would walk into this absolute S show of a situation and go, I'm completely fine with this. I don't mind. Take as long as you like. Why is he being such a nice bloke? He's just a nice guy. Some, some of us are. He's a doormat is what he is. <laughs> some of us just are that as well. Some of us are just doormats. Um, so Emma finds Alina upset in her flat and finds out about everything that happened. And then she drops her own bombshell. I am pregnant again. What am I going to do? Oh, I tell you what you shouldn't have done. Had unprotected sex with a stupid man. Mm. Or any man. Never. You, I mean, for goodness sake, he could have all sorts going on. You don't know what he's been doing with Fizz. <laughs> you don't know what Fizz has picked up off of Phil. Yeah. And that Maria <laughs> as well. Tyrone's, uh, you know, if, she, if she's one of his exes, she's town bike, isn't she? <laughs> Fizz tells Phil about the kiss. And she says, I'm just as bad as Alina. But I am glad I kissed him because, here's my bombshell, I, it made me realise I don't love him anymore. <gasps> this whole, that, that episode was full of really great revelations mm. from all of these characters. It really it. progressed this storyline. It was great. There, was lo- there were loads of twists and turns in just those two episodes. Um, and I really, I just, I just kind of love this revenge of Fizz getting, getting her own back on stupid Tyrone who's finally realised he's made the worst mistake of his life and he desperately he can't do anything about it. <laughs> Absolutely love the karma here. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, in, I'm very much enjoying it. I, I, a part, I think it partly is because in my head I still think that they're going to get back together again, which is what I want, but I'm definitely enjoying all the twists and turns along the way. I think they're investing so much in the breakup 
of Fizz and Tyrone that it seems inevitable they will get back mm. together. Um, Phil is very much to, unfortunately is because I really like Jamie, Jamie McKenna in the role I think he is just a stopgap this perfect guide that, that Fizz goes off with but something's going to happen where she realises oh no I do just want to be with Tyrone or maybe his his deep dark secret is going to be revealed Or he's a character that you know is only in the show to get Fizz mm. and when he leaves it's not like he's going to be oh is he going to go out with Maria or no, when they no. break up I mean he's, he's, he's just going to leave I'm when sure. I, was, I was surprised to see him again back this week because he's, he's not been in it for a while has he so I, I thought that he'd served his purpose a few you know, a couple of months ago. Well, like you, I also really like him and I would be very happy for him to stay on the show. But I just can't see... He, his role is boyfriend. Mm. And who would he be the boyfriend of after Fizz? I don't know. Anyway, Tyrone goes back to the garage and finds the picture of him and Alina together with the word liar graffitied across the front. Beth and everybody are there laughing at him. Tyrone goes home and Emma says, Alina has gone. And Tyrone's hating himself, hating his life. Oh no, how, why does this happen to me, Tyrone? I'm such a nice bloke. <laughs> um, ooh. Ooh. Emma, yeah, Emma, says, <laughs> Emma says to him, what are you going to do about the baby? And Tyrone's like, what baby? And then he dashes outside and finds her getting into a taxi. She's been waiting outside for him to... Just so she can make her dramatic accent. And she says, this baby will have nothing to do with you. I'm going back to Romania. And then the taxi drives off. Tyrone chases after like the dog he is. Then he mooches around the street, does a wee on a tree and goes, sees Phil and Fizz having a nice laugh at the other end. And he's left all alone at the Rovers, just like he should be, stand outside in the rain and be miserable for the rest of your life, Tyrone. And you've earned it. You'll forgive him. You'll forgive him one day. <laughs> Thursday. Tyrone's on the phone, leaving messages to Alina, but she's not answering at all. And Emma will not say where he is. She is. She is. And this this really made me laugh as well because she says she's gone back to Romania to her village and he can't remember where that is or what it was called. <laughs> he should have because... said something like, Oh, it was a really long complicated name. I think he said that. I I can't remember what he said. I think I think he just said I've forgotten, but like I, I could, the, the goal of this man, he he didn't even listen to her when she was trying to explain where she lived. And then, the, to be fair, she might have just said it to him, and it's like got lots of you know funny accents and things over me, it, and he's just forgotten. He might he, not have seen it written down. He, she googled it and showed him pictures. Oh yeah. <laughs> he didn't even go. I know what I can do. Go on Google and look in the search history. <laughs> No, he can't even be bothered for that. <laughs> That's true, actually. He's such a dope. He's, he says, um, you've got to tell me because she's carrying my child. And I was like, well, you don't even deserve to see her if you don't even know where in Romania she's gone. Because No, that is very true. Because she, was, she planned a trip there with him. He was going to go to this place that he hasn't remembered the name of. <laughs> he got strong-armed into the trip. I don't know why I'm being so defensive of Tyrone. If got a partner who's from a different country i don't understand why you wouldn't be fascinated to learn everything about them and where they're from what what's it like yes because he's in love with the idea of alina and not alina's country or heritage or culture or anything evelyn meets tyrone in the cafe and he's down in the dumps he says alina's pregnant and um evelyn immediately gets on the case she goes to get it out of emma to find out where alina is so she, Emma is working behind the bar in the Rovers so Evelyn rocks up and starts to order um, 
drinks and starts doing Sudoku and being annoying. Yeah, she's doing annoyingly loud humming. So eventually, long Emma, breaks, Emma breaks down and tells Evelyn that Alina has not even left the country yet. She's staying at the only hotel in Weatherfield, the Chariot Square Hotel, and she's going to fly out tonight. And she's hanging about in the only room in the Chariot Square Hotel, the lobby. Not the lobby, what is it? The bar, sorry, yeah. For some reason, she's hanging around the bar, which you would assume is upstairs (laughs) or not near the entrance. Anyway, so she's wheeling her, her luggage out again as Tyrone catches up with her. And he says, I'm not trying to stop you, but you, you can't turn, you can't let me miss out on, on the child. I need to be able to be involved with my, my kid. And she says, there is no baby. I just got my dates wrong. It's probably for the best. I don't know why I'm going French there. <laughs> um, I want to be a single, not be, being a single mother in Romania is not ideal. No hard feelings. Go home, Tyrone. So Tyrone goes home. No baby. Tells Kevin, I'm going to get Fizz back. And Kevin laughs, like, basically... Well, I don't know if he actually laughs, but he basically says, there's no way you can get her back. You don't mess her about. She's happy with Phil. It's not going to work. Well, Kev's got his own issues at the moment, hasn't he? Because Abby's gone walkabout. I know. Love advice from Kev. I mean, (laughs) the thing is, he's right. Even Kevin, the Neanderthal, can tell that Tyrone is is barking up the wrong tree. Although when he went like off with Natalie Barnes, when he was in his own story like that, he did go. He did get Sal back at the end of the year, didn't he? Well, he's telling him not to even bother. It's not going to work. In the bistro, Fizz is moaning to Phil about Tyrone, and Phil doesn't mind. Um, he's, you know, the ultimate sponge for all of Fizz's sad emotions. And she invites Phil back home for coffee... And this was a really funny scene and it was really well filmed as well. We'll talk about that at the end, I think. Um, So back at number nine, Tyrone is setting up a beautiful romantic table for two with, was there flowers and candles and red wine and a a lovely big, very handily long white (laughs) tablecloth. So Fizz and Phil come in and Tyrone panics and hides under the table. Um, And Fizz says... Oh, wow, look at this. Evelyn must have left this for us. What a weird conclusion. But then what else would it be? A ghost. Mm. So she she assumes it's it's Evelyn. And they, they're like, oh, how lovely. <laughs> it was so funny. Tyrone's there under the tablecloth. He's going, listening. Oh. And when he lifts up the, the bottom of the cloth, doesn't he? And there's a couple of yeah, the shoes there. Oh, we'll talk about it now then. Basically, there's a pair of man, men's shoes, which obviously doesn't have a foot in it. And um, I, I assume it's Din McElpine's feet. Yeah, or it could ankles. Be. Yeah, and they're just, they're just like next to each other, obviously kissing. But I thought it was a really funny way to film that and yeah. demonstrate what was happening. Because we saw it from his perspective and obviously he can't see their faces. So he's listening to their kiss, their kissing. Then they sit on the sofa and start to get... Yeah, getting hot and heavy, aren't they? <laughs> And Fizz starts uh, She's making like, oh, you fun. Tasted red wine. Yeah, and then Fizz starts making fun of Tyrone. <laughs> music. Because, because you totally do excuse this. Excuse me. Because they want to put music on, and um, he says, "Have you got anything good?" And she says, "Yeah." Since Tyrone's moved out, he took all this crap music with him. Oh. His favorite song was "Reach for the Stars" by Steps, and you had exactly the same reaction. I as was Tyrone. quicker than Tyrone. Tyrone took a good three or four seconds to leap out from under the table and say, "Excuse me, that's, that's Cub Seven, But I was right on it. I was like, "No." That's and not then Steps. you went, and, and it's it not even called "Reach for the Stars." It's just called "Reach." So Tyrone, you don't even know. So if I if I'm ever playing 
um, hide and seek with you and I really cannot find where you are, I'll just start saying... Just make a mistake of it, I'll something say, that steps, I'm nerdy about. Reach for the stars by steps and you'll burst <laughs> out wherever you're hiding and go, it was S Club 7! Yeah, it's like that bit, and you know, in, um, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? You, have you seen that much? Where I love Judge, that film. Where Judge Doom is going around looking for the tunes and, and Roger and that <laughs> hitting, yeah. hiding in the wall and he does this. <laughs> and then Roger has to burst out going... Uh, what, oh, da, da, I can't remember what Shaving a haircut. Yeah, two cents or uh, two bits. Two bits. So, yeah, Tyron just couldn't help himself. That's what I would be like. What a great recounting of that story. I know. <laughs> the penny drops. You get the gist of it. That it was Tyrone who set this romantic table up. And right in front of Phil, Tyrone says, I want you back. I must, I must have you. I love you. And she says, sling your rook. And he skulks out. He goes and finds Evelyn and fills her in on what's been going on. She can't believe this. He says, you, you, you literally just need to stop everything. Everything you've done is wrong. Everything you're doing. Just stop all of it. Tyrone says, I can't stand back and watch Phil walks off with Fizz. And he also says that Alina is not pregnant. And then we cut to Alina in the airport in a bar and the wait the bartender for some reason comes out and says what can i get you madam no he sa- no he says would you like me to get you the wine list madam she says no thank you i am pregnant with a stupid man's child she, she says she did very subtle she went i'll have tomato juice i've got a funny tummy and she rubs her <laughs> stomach her belly yeah she's still pregnant mm. dum 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 which means that maybe 5 years she'll rock up with a with a kid or she'll die or she'll die in Romania. She might, she might do a, a Katie Armstrong, won't she? It's very dangerous in Romania. Mm. Um, oh, especially for a single mother. Yeah. So, on Friday, Phil turns up at the garage. He says, you told me ages ago that you um, would help me if I really my car fix. So, just check we're still cool mates and everything's hunky-dory. I thought I'd bring my car in for you to fix. And I wanted to know, are we, are we still cool? <laughs> and Tyrone's like, mm, whatever. And then Phil says... And Phil's not the sort that's, like, crowing about it. He's not saying, oh, yeah, we're still friends, aren't we, knowing that Tyrone is heading every minute. He's just generally, genuinely being nice. He's basically being, like, we're going to be in each other's lives. I'm serious about Fizz. I'm going to be around your kids, and I want us to get along. He's far more mature about this. Oh, yeah, Tyrone's Tyrone. being incredibly passionate Tyrone about Tyrone is, like, it. is acting towards him like the, the child to the new stepdad. Like, mm. S Club 7, Dad. <laughs> oh, you don't know anything about cool music, Dad. So, he also says, I'll come to my special football thing that I've got tickets for. And so I was like, no, I don't even really like football. And um, it feels like, whatever, fine. Walks off and Tyrone's like, oh, he's such a clown, I hate him. And Kevin's like, what are you being such a dick for? <laughs> he's annoyed because everyone's found out he was hiding under a table and only came out because of a discussion about 90s pop bands. Um, and everyone's making fun of him. Um, Phil Fizz comes and says, ask Tyrone to look after the girls because Phil is taking um, them out for their tea. I don't understand that. He just um, basically... This, this, is, this is on Friday when my notes start breaking down. Phil's <laughs> taking Fizz out for tea, but I've written the girls here. And he wants, she wants time to babysit. And she also reminds him that it's time for Hope's therapy appointment. And he'd forgotten about this. He rushes around to get ready. And then they start bickering because Fizz suggests that they get a second opinion from somebody. But then when he finds out it's a therapist pal of Phil's, Tyrone doesn't like it. 
And then Kevin gets annoyed with Tyrone later because he's fed up with hearing about all his ways. He's like, I've got my own problems. My my uh, fiance's buggered off because her, her son was murdered. My fiance's buggered up? off because the actress who plays her has got COVID. I don't know what to do. <laughs> this is this is really this must be so frustrating for Kevin because all the things that have happened to Kevin are things out of his control. But Tyrone's all self-inflicted. This whole thing. What do you mean everything that happened to Kevin is out of his control? What are you talking Ab- about? Well, he's oh, about got the his Abby problems because yeah. uh, of Abby. Yeah. And he's just trying to be a supportive partner to his to his girlfriend who's going through the worst time mm. of her life. And then you've got Tyrone going, my girlfriend's gone to Romania because I didn't know where she, which which town she lived in because they're <laughs> too hard to remember. <laughs> oh. She's learned a whole language. She can't remember what her village is called. <laughs> anyway... He's he gets fed up with this. Um, Tyrone is doing Phil's car, and he finds a napkin with Brigitte written on it and a number. And he is convinced that he's found evidence that Phil is having it off with somebody else. And Kevin's like, "You're you're stupid. This isn't. There's no way. We're in a soap. This is a, the red herring. Anytime you find a number or you see a man with a woman, it's always his sister or some kind of." Red herring. I would say it's a ginger herring because it's in Phil's car. <laughs> um, who was it? It was um, Curtis who had his friend from... Oh, yeah. Um, where am I? Fizz- oh, Fizz looked amazing, didn't she? She scrubbed she up very nicely. very nice. She, she was in our award show get-up. Was Jenny McHale that fine dress? Where's that dress from? I want that dress. She looked fantastic. And she always has gorgeous hair. We all know that. She, she um, this is when, was it Hope? It was, must have been Hope, because Ruby's fallen mm-hmm. down the sinkhole again. She's, um, she said, oh, you look like, what is it, Merida from, um, from Brave? I thought that, Brave. not Brave. <laughs> <laughs> you look like Brave Mel Gibson. <laughs> Maybe take the easy on the blue makeup there, well, Maybe shave your beard as well. <laughs> um, he, he, she looks great. Tyrone says, be careful. You barely know him. Ask him about Brigitte. Or Bridget, I think. I think he says Bridget, yeah. Well, I would have called her Bridget. Anyway, Phil turns up and um, it turns out, this is weird. She's just doing a tasting menu for us and we're going to have a table on the red rack. Was it on the red rack? I was falling asleep or something. Anyway, they're it having a lovely thing. meal. Tyrone's moping about the tasty menu that they're going to have to get. And, um, I want a tasty menu. Tasty menu. Phil, Phil is basically Fizz's dream guy. And Kev's like, I don't even care. I'm going to use these fancy football tickets. And Tyrone's just mad because everyone else is getting everything they want except for Tyrone. Why? Mm. <laughs> oh, I am glad that he's getting some kind of just desserts. He does deserve it. But... The thing is, the more they punish him, the more I'm worried that this, this um, Coronation Street will deem that sufficient for him to then but be able that's to That's exactly win. what it is, I think. He has to go through this, like, um, fire, the fire of, like, a uh, cleansing fire of retribution yeah. before he's allowed to uh, be worthy of fair fizz's heart mm. once more but i don't want them to get back together because he's such an idiot he doesn't deserve it I, i'm wondering what's going to happen in the end because i mean you, you said you think that it's going to it's a stopgap and fizz and tyrone are going to get together is is phil going to have a secret or is he going to is he going to get sick of tyrone in the end and lamp him one and fizz goes running to him or is it just going to be something with the girls i don't know but they, they, they'll, they'll get back together I want Phil to say, Tyrone, I'm sick of your nonsense, and then boot him down a well, like in 
300. Mm. They're just so lovely, though. Who are? are? Fizz and Phil. Oh, yes, exactly. I, I, the thing is, Phil, Phil does not have a personality beyond I am a kind and supportive partner for my girlfriend. He's kind of he's, what he's he quite like? funny as well. Oh, and another thing that happened was that Alina... No, Fizz... Uh, Tyrone was going through um, the logbook of Phil's car and admiring the service history, which I thought was such a weird scene. Is this what men do? It's like how men bond with each other. Like, I can't... What, do you, what, what TV programmes do you like? Well, not the same as you. Do you like pies? Not really. Uh, do you like beer? Mm, I'm more of a cider guy. But check out my service log. Wow! So we regular. Can, we can be friends now. <laughs> um, so Alina, Gemma, gone. Did you know that she was going at all? No. I'd seen, unfortunately, like a month and a half ago, maybe, I don't remember when it was, there was um, some pictures on the internet of Rizandra and a few of the others looking like they were maybe having a leaving party out in Manchester together. And then like, the headlines are like, oh, fans um, are worried that, that Alina might be leaving Coronation Street because... The, and I was like, oh, but no, I had forgotten about it. I saw... So when, when it came out on this week, I was like, oh, and, and I certainly didn't expect it to be happening this soon. I, I was, wasn't mentally prepared at all. It moved very, very quickly this week. I saw the picture and I didn't even think anything about it. Mm. Well, I'll like, whenever I see pictures of um, the cast members out um, in recent times, even though you, it's fine, everyone's allowed to do everything, like we had people around today... We're all double vaxxed anyway. Um, whenever I see a cast on picture out, my first thought is, "Oh, they're going to get in trouble," mm. even though they're not. But uh, that, and then beyond that, I think nothing more. Yeah. So I think I'm a bit too thick to have picked up on that. Spoiler. Well, she's it was she's, she's definitely gone. It was weird. She kind of posted on Instagram on um, after Wednesday's episode, didn't she? Saying, "Oh, the, that's a wrap on Coronation Street," but she did actually have one episode left in her. So when she turned up again on Thursday's episode, I thought that was a bit weird. Well, this was the thing, because we had, we missed, a, uh, people might be confused, because this week was a bit weird, because last week we missed an episode, so this week we had four, no, four, yeah, four days, days of Corrie, yeah. so one of them was from last week, and unfortunately... Yeah, it wasn't, I was just going to say, it wasn't, it must have been not scheduled this way, because the, yeah. Monday, the so this Norris Cole tribute This program. is what I was going to say, yeah. there was a spoiler on Monday, because in between the two Corries, unrelated to anything to do with Norris, was the Goodbye Norris programme, mm. so you, so people that watch that would be going, oh, he's left the show, and then the next episode, he, they're all, they're like, oh, Norris wants to talk to us, oh, We'll mm. talk about it later. So but it was clearly supposed it was to all, be yeah, between it, it kind of the two ruined episodes that, that were broadcast on Wednesday in the end, yeah. It totally ruined that um, storyline. Mm. I bet somebody's fuming. Mm. Gemma, would you like to um, would you like to read out uh, Roxandra's quote from no, Instagram? because I'm not doing Roxandra's voice, am I? I'm doing Alina's voice. That's far voice. too hard to do. No, I don't want to make fun of a real person. She says, that's a wrap on Corrie. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who encouraged and supported me. It meant so much. I work with some of the finest people who are not only extremely talented, but very humble and caring. They made me feel welcome and a part of this beautiful family tar everyone people up north here are well nice hashtag alina hashtag cory nice good mm, she learned she learned tar she learned how to say tar so she has definitely definitely gone um i don't know whether we'll see her again or not i mean the, the door has been left open hasn't it with this pregnancy and i i kind of like the twists and turns in it this week when she said oh i'm pregnant again i thought oh no i don't want you to be pregnant because by that time i i still didn't know whether she was leaving or, or, or what was going to happen because i'd forgotten um 
But then when she when when on the next episode she said, "Oh, I got my dates wrong. I'm not really pregnant." And half of me was thinking, "Oh, that's good because I could do without her being pregnant." But the other one was like, "How were you so certain that you were pregnant? And now you're just saying you got your dates wrong." And you, you were saying, you know, some women are really regular with their periods and some aren't. So. You, you might know, was... but I, w- I wouldn't have thought she would have said so confidently no, on the Wednesday episode, I'm pregnant, or Monday, whenever it was, if if she hadn't taken a test. So I was thinking that that's a bit sla- that's a bit sloppy writing, really. Mm-hmm. Which, me- okay. But it doesn't matter because it wasn't, because she was just making it up, wasn't she? Because it turns out she is actually pregnant, and that was a nice twist. Although I think you predicted it a few scenes before the actual reveal came, didn't you? You said, I don't think she is uh, I think she is, is still pregnant. Yeah, I and said that, she that is still pregnant. airport um, scene she confirmed it. When she, yeah, when, she but, only said that to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't obvious. I think some people were definitely taken by surprise in the airport scene, and we uh, weren't because you'd said that. Although I, I think that they flubbed it a little bit. I would have preferred for her not to have rubbed her belly. If they'd have just left it with yeah, her saying, too. I want the tomato juice, it wouldn't have made it so obvious. But this way, it was like, she's definitely she pregnant. She should have just said, I'm pregnant to somebody. The way they... they... No, I don't think it's... Should have, I think it should have still been no, left. No, that's a, my joke. What? Because they made it so obvious. Oh, they, they made it they super had obvious. Two, they had two things. They might as well have had her go, no, thank you, I don't want anything. I'm going to look at the baby magazines. Mm. I, I think that they definitely should not have confirmed that she was pregnant. I mean, that they didn't, I suppose. But but if yeah, they, they could have left it with people speculating about whether she's pregnant or not and is this going to happen? And now it's like, well, yeah, she obviously is pregnant and we, we will probably see some baby at some point in the future. But now they... If if they'd have just had her wanting a tomato juice. Yes, exactly. It would have been better. The way mm. they did it, they might as well have had her phone up. Hello, mum. Yes, I will be home soon. Oh, I cannot wait for you to meet your new grandchild when he is hatched out of me because I am pregnant. She might as well have just gone to the flight, uh, the ticket desk and booked a return flight for five years' time. Yeah. Oh, bit can obvious. I also oh, get an extra seat for my baby? <laughs> but oh, well, that, that was my only criticism with that, um, I suppose. Um what have we got? Do, I mean, do you, the, the thing is, and, and Emma still knows where she is, and Tyrone... I suppose Tyrone Tyrone's got no, re- no reason. No, he doesn't, because he thinks that she's not pregnant now, doesn't she? I mean, this shows how much... This is going to show how much she did care for her. Not at all. But if, if, Fizz, if Fizz has now made it very, very clear, I don't want you anymore, Tyrone, he might say, well, maybe, oh, maybe, maybe Alina Tyrone. will take me back, Such because I'm a pretty... Donkey. Hot, I'm quite a catch. And, no, nope, nope, nope. No? No? So I don't know. I, I I I don't need to see this baby ever again. I think that's my that's part of my problem with it. You know that I don't want him to have a, a spare child hanging around. Spare child, what in case he needs a kidney transplant? Yeah. Um, this is my prediction. Fizz, um, Phil, Phil and Fizz will just eventually decide that they're not meant for each other because Fizz will realise she loves Tyrone because she sees him so sad and she um. And he's just gonna mope around. Then she'll she'll be the one to get back with him, and then Fizz, uh, Phil will leave, and then the, they'll be happy. And then five years time, Alina will rock back up with the kid, or the kid will turn up by itself in a box. Mm. Well, we said that Kirsty had um, come back, didn't we? But she never did. She got killed off. So maybe the same will happen to Alina. Just before we move on to the next story, um, 
brilliant comedy scene of the week, Emma reacting to Kathy's story about playing Twister. So what, <laughs> yeah. she was just, I mean, it is a, it's she so just, cliche, wasn't it? it? Was. And that's what Twister's all about. It's about getting into a bit of compromising positions well, with your mates. In, yeah. And innuendo, exactly. So, but the, the scene, if you haven't seen it and you just listen to this for the first time, keep an eye out because you don't even see Kathy, do you? She's there in the background at the, Ro- at the Rover's bar and Emma's just in the booth with the camera slowly panning around and listening. Uh, and we can see Emma's bizarre reactions to to Kathy's, Kathy's like saying no to increasingly innuendo laden stories yes very funny very funny great 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 reactions love that a lot should we move on to the next story so Cole in a hole slash Cole burner slash whatever happens to him next week sad times Gemma Norris is no more um this was on um this was Wednesday that this story first happened, wasn't it? I've got, see, I've got Monday, my notes got my days wrong and everything. So Ken and Rita are talking about Norris. Ken is back from Southampton. We've let him go. We said, we've, we're done. Yep. We're done, Ken. You, you've actually outstayed He, your he was actually the person living in this house before us and we kicked Get him out. out this week. So, um, why have you got a mirrored um, wall in your bedroom, you weird The man. reason that... You know why Ken's got a mirrored wall. He's a, he's a bit of a player, isn't he? Um, he he has come back because Norris has sent him a cryptic text that he's got some secret information to tell him and he's got to come back and tell him face to face. It's, it's vital. It's important. So um, Ken's a bit... He's not too sure about going over to Stillwaters because he doesn't want to get into a compromising situation with Claudia again after their breakup. But um, So he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and see Mary to see if she knows anything that's going on. No, Mary's got no idea. Um, and uh, She's still har- harbouring a grudge about yeah, Frida. Yeah, she is. Yeah, it, it's established at the beginning of uh, this, this story that she's, yeah, she's got beef with Frida because Norris obviously was her best friend and now she's going out with Frida and yada, yada, yada. Well, Norris was her husband. I don't, I don't accept that. But yes, she was technically married to Norris as well. And uh, she, she's also pretty upset that she wasn't invited to see Norris to get this gossip. Like, I don't know why Norris didn't invite Mary. but We'll never know now. No, we will never know. So Kate, Ken's still putting it off later on, going over to the retirement home. And um, Jenny says, well, look, why don't you invite him and Frida here? Um, and so Ken's like, what's a fantastic idea. He's not, he's not locked down there anymore. He was only here last year. So he um, goes to call him, but a paramedic answers. Uh-oh, what's gone on there? So um, what? a paramedic answers going, look, mate, he's dead now because I answered the phone. Could you not phone me while I'm trying to save someone's life? Yes. <laughs> um, so Mary finds Ken and Rita jumping into a taxi later. And the, and the story is that Norris has collapsed with a suspected stroke and now he's in hospital. So they hot foot it up to Weatherfield General where they find Frida... With the announcement that Norris has died, everybody. Aww. Norris Cole is no more, so I'm, sad. I was sadder about this than I thought I would be. Because we knew Malcolm Pebden decided not to return for health reasons. Hmm. So we knew we never see, we wouldn't see the character again necessarily. But then I was always like, oh, we might come back for a cameo or do a Zoom call or something. Hmm. But no. He is gone. He's gone. He's he's. he's He's twitched his last curtain. Sorting newspapers in heaven. Yeah. Oh, I hope you don't. I hope Angela's not there waiting for him with his uh, with her uh, oh, rolling pin. <laughs> Angela and Myrtle waiting to double. No. What? <laughs> Derek's there as well. Yeah. Derek's there with a club. <laughs> um, so Rita is obviously mega upset about this. She's she was working with Norris at the cabin for a long time. She's not known him the longest. I mean, her and Ken have both known him for. Well, when you get to a certain... 30 odd years, nearly. This is the thing. When, when you get to a certain age, you know everybody. No, I was going to say, when you're younger and somebody very close to you dies, you feel cheated because you know that 
you've had not enough time with them. And then when you get older and your friends begin to die because you're old, mm. that's another facet and, you, and you're losing everyone that was close to you one by one. Yeah, well, Rita and Ken are both getting on a bit, aren't they? I, so I think this like... is the the most tragic part of human life. Mm. They, they Didn't they look frail? Didn't they look... I mean, they, they, this, was, this was Ken coming like back. About this. Well, William Roach had had COVID, so he's been recovering from this, and William, hopefully he'll be able to... I don't to, uh... like talking about how people look on the show, because I do think it's none of our business, but people have said that Ken looks quite a lot older than he did before, and I just want to point out that he had been ill, and I think he's lost weight, and that mm. was, that's why he looks a bit older because you when you lose weight when you're older when you're an older person it it enhances well yeah like like um like brian molesley before we played alf roberts before he died as well he looked um not that i'm saying that if ken's up at bill roaches no this is the thing this is why it's difficult to talk about i don't really like talking about it but hopefully he's well yes there's nothing that we don't know any literally it's it was i think it was just covid he's got a good 25 years in him still don't worry about that he's gonna go he's gonna go to 108 i thought it was 107 he's gonna go for well we'll ask him maybe he's gonna die at 107 they'll stuff him and use him in the program for the edge of sitting in the armchair or something or have his head in a jar stop it head in a jar like a futurama stop it okay so um the, the we, we hear the story about what Rick Norris was up to when he died and apparently he was utterly convinced that Claudia had been having an affair with Charles who was that evil head of the um, residence association that Ken thwarted in the elections the other year and he was and Norris was trying to catch them at it climbing up a tree with a telephoto lens and um, and that's when his stroke happened but he died peacefully at hospital so that was nice to hear that he wasn't you know suffering or in pain or anything. It's a fairly dignified exit up to this point. Really? Although I have opinions... Well, you know, the, the, the dying peacefully in hospital bit. I thought you... I ha- yeah, but he really... He, the process began in a bush. Up a tree, I think. Yeah, he fell Maybe out of a bush. tree and ended up in a oh, bush. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, they, they start talking about how regretful they are about not being able to visit him during the pandemic. And I think that, the, that, that COVID was a good excuse here. But it, it was kind of saying, yeah, we, we lost touch. It was a bit of a you know, pain to go all this the way over how, there. This is what's happened to a lot of people. Yeah, lots when, when lots of older people get shipped off to homes or whatever, they just get isolated. I mean, when you when they first go there, they get visited, but then this it dwindles, the sadly. This is the thing. I, I always worry about what's going to happen to us in the future because we don't have children. And this is one of the things that people say, oh, when you're old, who's going to look after you? Like they're breeding their own caretakers, which I think is a bit odd. Mm. But I remember when we went to a care home for that. There's a care home here that's got a restaurant in it that's got like awards and stuff. And we went there, didn't we? Yeah, very tasty, mushy food. Yeah. And behind us, there were two old ladies talking about how sad they were and trying basically trying to one up each other Mm. about how how infrequently their their children come to see them. Mm. And I just thought, well, there's no point. You can't predict what's going to happen or who's going to visit you yeah. when you're old. And Norris ain't got no children, so he had to rely on his friends. But and his brother's dead. As well. okay, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Ramsay's there waiting for him, I'm sure. Oh, Ramsay. Mm. Ramsay and Norris in heaven. Yeah. Because they, they, he wanted to make friends. Maybe Norris will reconcile with him. Maybe. Let's, let's imagine that. Let's happens. imagine it. Okay, so they, they, um, the, the, the word starts to spread at the Rovers. Jenny has to announce to everyone... <laughs> And then there's, does she ding ding ding? She's I, don't, I can't remember whether she ding ding dings at this point, but she makes this grand announcement that Norris is dead, and there's kind of a, 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 a respectful silence for about a second, and then Emma says, "Oh, 
No, no, she's what she says. Oh, no. Is he all right? I thought that was fantastic. I, I, I didn't absolutely love this week's Coronation Street. It had its highs and its lows, but when it had its comedy highs, it was brilliant. And, and we both burst out laughing she at Emma here. She was great. That was such an Emma thing to say. And, and she's it, great. She, she didn't say it as if she's checking if he's all right. She said, oh, I met, is she all right? But that was absolutely brilliant timing, brilliant delivery, very much in character. Oh, that was hilarious. That was proper on point, that was. And I just want to say that Friday's episode was rubbish, but I really was enjoying this week so much. Mm. Yeah, you had been. I've been, been so-so on it, but um, it had some real comedy highlights. Um, they, they started talking. Kathy, Kathy says, oh, he was such a lovely man as well. And Jenny does this look, yeah, doesn't Jenny. she? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really fantastic. That was a great little Again, expression. Again, acting there. from Sally Matthews. Yeah, and, um, yeah so they're, they're all sad. But they agreed is, that he was an important like, part of the yeah. street and programme that they're all yeah. in. And it's just sad <laughs> that he has gone. So um, Rita, Ken and Mary um, come back to the Rovers later. They've told Emily, who I'm sure is going to have some kind of great excuse for not turning up to the funeral next week. Um, Jenny's defrosted a party platter from the freezer. And they'll have a nice little reminisce about, about Norris. Um, and they have their own icons programme. I love in their heads. I love Mary saying, "Oh, going to miss him slagging off all the neighbours to yeah, me." Yeah, yeah. There, there, there were some nice little lines there. It was, it was from Wednesday onwards. I think that it started to go downhill. Well, Rita says, "I've lost one of the best friends I had in my life." Yeah, and um, Mavis is like, "Excuse me, you haven't visited me during the um, pandemic." She either. said, "One of the best friends." Yes, I know, I know. So Wednesday then was when Mary started taking over, and I she got my goat again. I've, I've spoken many times on the podcast about how I've only got a certain amount of patience for Mary and um, it didn't last very long on this episode because she um, ends up, she she goes to the funeral as the, the Undertaker's first thing on Wednesday's episode, doesn't she? Uh, every bit the grieving widow with the big you know, dark glasses and everything. And she says, oh, I was married to him. I was his last living um, spouse. and Last and, living relative. Yeah. And and George says, okay, well, let's get your, 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 all, your, all the affairs in order and everything. And what are we going to do for this funeral? Um, but um, little does Frieda know that this is happening because obviously as Norris's partner at the time of his death, it probably should be her that's, um, that's making the arrangements here. This raised an interesting question in my mind, which is who is responsible and how does an undertaker actually know that first the person... First come, first served. But the person who comes to like arrange a funeral, have there ever been any crazy situations where an undertaker has like, been... Um, approach to do a funeral like someone who's still alive as like a weird psych out on them i'm sure they've seen all sorts but but how who's can you have more i guess you can have more than one funeral if you don't have a body you know somebody could somebody could arrange a rival funeral (laughs) i'm just really thinking like there must be loads of you're just giving the storyline there's lots of ideas jamming for comedy capers at the undertakers it's not necessarily comedy but it would be a really interesting thing like if there's two two factions in a family and they can't agree i mean this was played for laughs but what do you do as an undertaker how do you prove who's the person who's all whose orders do you take or do you just whoever pays you yeah i suppose you i mean maybe they split the body down the middle it's probably that oh just like what's his face <laughs> just like um, samson is it the baby yeah samson what was it? i don't know is king it solomon oh was it solomon all right i don't know um yeah no i think you're right i think you're right um Samson You're definitely was the one right. with the, with he lovely was the one with the hair. hair. Yeah. So um, Gemma offers um, Frida her condolences when she sees him in the street. 
And then and they start talking about Norris, and, and there's lots of signing going on between them and everything, which ties in with the Allard deafness story. And um, I've my notes doing now, all over the place. And um, yeah, so they, they no, Frida says that she's nervous about going to the Undertakers and, and getting it all sorted. So Gemma says, It's all right, I'll come along with you. So they rock up at um, George's, and it's, they're surprised to find that he's already working on it, and very annoyed to realise that Mary's the one that's taking over. Not only that, but she has. In true Mary style, some very outlandish ideas like, what was it, horses with frills and bagpipes and things she talks about, a giant floral stapler. That's such a weird thing. Yes, it is a weird thing. It reminds yes, I is. don't know whether it's like a callback to, to Derek. Derek and his paper. So Derek Wilton was in the show years ago and he was like a rival, like, frenemy of Norris. Yeah. And he. Rival stationer. Yeah, he worked in a stationery company and then one of the things he had was a paperclip on the top of his car, like Michael just said, t- to advertise his business. But I wouldn't have, wouldn't have like, said a stapler was a symbolic of, of, a, course of a music Of course it wasn't. It was just a stupid thing to say, right. let's make this a comedy story. And I've not it. got too mad about all the comedy funeral stuff. I know a lot of people have, you know, like a Ted's funeral and everything. And I, I, didn't, I wasn't too bothered about this. But I did think that a lot of this was quite disrespectful to the character of Norris. And... I can only think that next week, I, I hope they do a good job. I have seen one or two spoiler picks from next week and there's one element of that that I've seen that I think that's ridiculous. Why is that happening? And I'm sure you can guess what it is if you've seen the pictures too. I hope they give him a decent send-off because he's such a legacy character. He was in the show since, what, 94, I think? Um, and he deserves better than just some ridiculous, merry fueled cringe fest. So anyway, they're mad at Mary, Frieda and, and, and Gemma are. And um, they, they um, Frida goes over to Mary and says that you need to stay, stay clear of this. You've got no right to organise Norris's funeral. And she says, "Oh, I know, I knew what Norris wanted." But eventually, she does back down. And this happens a few times during the week. She backs down, then goes ridiculous again. She says, "Oh, I've gone a bit gung ho, and I promise to ask you permission for anything that I need, before, everything I think before I organise it." But then um, she, this is when she phones up the bagpiper. Actually, isn't it? So she, it turns out that she's organised a bagpiper to play the music from the Hovis advert. Um, do, do, thank you. Do, 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 What's your fact about that do, advert, Gemma? Do, 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 Not filmed up north. We've cobbles down south. Mm. We've got such great cobbles down south that they filmed our cobbles for an advert set in the north. I know, I know. Um, Frida massively wound up at this point, as was I. I'm totally team Frida on this one. Um, Mary's still thinking it over later. She wants to. She wants a load of flowers. Frida says Norris hated flowers. He wouldn't like the idea of lining Tracy's pockets either. And then Claudia turns up <gasps> fabulously. I love this. I thought this was fantastic. Again, unfortunately, I because I'd seen a few spoilery pics when they filmed the funeral. I did know that Rulenska was making a comeback. Massive surprise. I thought that she was done with the programme. But she has Bloody always been her. a character that just swans in yeah. every now and then. But wonderful. Thank you, she thank you for bringing Claudia likes. back. I love her. Mm. And she, they, they, they kind of finished the episode talking about how much they miss Norris. She, she says, oh yeah, he was hanging around me quite a lot in the last few weeks. I this think... was really funny and a bit... I thought it was kind of subtle, but maybe I was tired. It, I, I didn't think it was <laughs> I subtle. I thought I was being clever. No. It, 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 obviously, it was Norris trying to um, camp out next to Claudia wherever he could so he could get evidence of her and Charles having this affair. And um, uh, Claudia kind of gives a look that makes out that, yes, maybe there was some truth to this uh, little story. Is this the scene where she's talking about 
about him, and then they say he was interested in birds because it's the mating season. Yeah, and Claudia kept being. They kept hinting that about it, but Claudia didn't get any mm. of the hints because she doesn't realise that no. they. They suspect. knew, yeah. So when Fre- when Frieda says Norris thought you were having an affair with Charles, how ridiculous is that? Claudia's like, hmm. I yeah. hope it doesn't need it doesn't need to go any further. Than it this. just was really, a funny really joke. It doesn't need yeah. to elaborate. Um, and, and then they decide to have the wake at the Rovers without any bagpipes. So they reach a bit of a compromise at the end of the episode. Um, although Friday's episode starts with them arguing yet again. Mary is back to trying to take charge of everything. She's trying to. She wants to book an interpreter. Does she want to book an interpreter? She, or she wants not to want take an interpreter. Charge. No, she wants to be the one that books the interpreter for the I, deaf um, members. I can't of the believe that audience. she thinks that she knows better than Frida, who's a good person to be I the know. interpreter. So um, anyway, Frida's we... like, no, I'll do it because I want everyone to understand what's going on. Mm. The drama of the day with Ches- uh, Gemma and Chesney here is that Alid's operation is booked for the day before the funeral. And I don't know when the funeral is, but I'm guessing that means the operation is going to be Monday's episode and the funeral is going to be Wednesday's episode, possibly. Or it'll get postponed. Or, or it'll be Wednesday to Friday. But um, yeah, she, Gemma's thinking, oh, Alid will have just come out of his operation. I can't really go to Noza's funeral. And... Um, Chester's like, no, you go along, it's fine. Alan's going to be all right after the operation, you should go. Well, it's only for an hour or so. Well, it's not the operation itself. Oh, the funeral funeral. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, if you were... Yeah. Think about it this way, Michael. If if Abby (gasps) had to have an operation, would you want to do something the next day or would you want to be home I think I'd probably be fine, to be fair. Okay. Um, They're different then. They, they, they... What happens next? They they just... My notes are totally nonsensical here. Well, this is after I'd fallen asleep. They just argue with each still. other for the rest of the episode, really. And there's a bit. There's Gemma, Gemma says I can't Frieda. go to the funeral. Oh yeah, that's right. Just as when Gemma says I can't go to the funeral because of the operation, and then Rita's like, uh, Frieda. Frieda's like, hold up, what operation? Are you getting these cochlear implants? I didn't think you were going to. And um, Gemma's like, yeah, we we think it's probably for the best. And Frieda gets on a high horse about this and thinking that she says what she'd said before about the fact that this is, you know, she's taken away away from the deaf community, part of his identity. You're taking a part of what makes Alid Alid away from him and you're also turning your back on the deaf community. Yeah. And I really love this too because Gemma was trying to explain herself to to, to, um, Frieda and Frieda walked off, which is a massive bit more of a bigger diss as a deaf person than it is for a hearing person because as a you deaf can't be person, shouted after if you turn around and refuse to look at the person you they don't exist you know you can't mm. hear them so i thought that was really kind of um in- interesting and sort of Gemma's hands like fell to her side i'm i'm loving just to a point all the all the sign language and everything that's going on with this it has massively made Gemma so much less of an irritating character I still don't love her as much as I used to at the beginning but I when I see Gemma come on the screen now what a difference to a couple of years ago I just it was a massive sigh or here we go another Gemma scene she I, I think this has done bucket loads to make her more sympathetic as a character and showing her how well she's picked up the sign language um and and uh, I don't. I, I sometimes think, why are you signing here? You don't need to sign. But is she? Is she? Is she's not because she wasn't. She signing when she was just talking with Chesney. She, it she feels like she's signing sign. all the time. Yeah. Well, I think she's just practicing. Yeah, but and, and it, it's starting to get a little bit, a little bit much. Some but... people are finding it a bit distracting. Yeah, I fa- I didn't find it distracting, but I was I was really so into it that when I'm really fascinated. I like her sign for Norris, which is the little um Reg Holdsworth tilt with my glasses thing isn't it yes 
So didn't you tell me that every um, that in in the deaf community they they may cut their own signs to refer to somebody's name or something? This is what I think. I I don't know if this is true for every person, but I believe I've heard that um, when you introduce yourself as a to somebody, you'll sign your name with the letters, but then you'll say, "This is my sign," and Norris's sign is like holding your finger in your. Uh, thumb, thumb together and, and adjusting like your glasses like you're adjusting glasses mm. but anyway I was just saying was um, I'm really enjoying the signing and when there is a scene with characters that aren't signing I kind of am waiting for them to make signs mm. and look, the other thing I wanted to say about Gemma and Frida is that even as a sign signer Gemma is so big and loud like, if you look at how she gestures and uses her signs, she's so much bigger with, with the way she, yeah. she makes the, the movements than It's Frida. just right for her. Yeah, it's like she's shouting in sign language, mm. which I think was a, is a really... Um, Dolores Campbell, really good She's done such a good job. To not only learn to sign, but to sign in character. Yeah. I think she's done fab. And, and we, we, did, we only saw a little bit of Chesney this week, thank goodness. And I assume that he's still struggling with the whole signing thing. What was it that... I can't remember. He's described himself in four words, didn't he? When she goes... To, he's like, oh, yeah, good old reliable Chesney or something. Yeah. Blimey. Um, so, I don't know. Do, do you think he's going to get the op in the end? I don't know whether he is. He will get the op. I think he probably will. I think he probably I will. I don't think that... I think it's... I, like I said before, I, find, I found this interesting. And I really think... Whether or not you understand or agree with a deaf person who has the opinion that cochlear implants are bad for deaf people because they isolate them from other deaf people, whether or not you agree, I just think the idea that that is an opinion is so interesting to me that I never even would have thought about it. And it makes, I just find learning about how people think about things very fascinating. Mm. So the fact that Coronation Street has done this, I do think it's an important thing to bring up. And it is interesting to, to think about because I don't think Frieda's that wrong. I don't agree with her solution, which is don't get the operation at all. But Alid is not going to be a deaf child and he's not going to be a hearing child. Mm. He's going to be a I, child. I think they, they both have very strong arguments. I can, I can see both sides of the argument here. He's never going to hear like we can hear. No. But he's, and he's never going to be deaf the way that profoundly deaf people are. Mm. He's, he's now a third kind of category. But the thing is, the more other children like him get these, that's their new community, isn't it? The deaf yeah. community will kind of transition and change is scary. And when your culture, because deaf culture is a thing, when your culture's under threat, it's very natural to be defensive. I don't think pe- I think people can be quite harsh on on people like Frida. Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't understand why we're so open about protecting other people's cultures that are under threat, mm. but not deaf people. Yeah. I think we should support them, but but also encourage cochlear implants because yeah, I do gender. think it, I don't think it's fair to take the take the opportunity away from a child. Yeah, so the other thing are. as well is that. The younger you get it, the better you are adjusted to being oh. able to use it. Yeah, yeah. No, so that, it, you can't what... just wait for the child to decide. A lot of people would say, oh, just let the kid decide when they're old enough. But unfortunately, it, it won't have as good as a, of an effect mm. the later you 
use it. If, if he gets the operation, which we're assuming he will, the, the signing will probably still go on and everything, won't it? I just, I really like having Frida back in the programme and I think this is the, you know, the, one of the best she's ever been used. And, and I, I like Claudia turning up um, unexpectedly this week and I, I wasn't necessarily expecting Frida to come back for this story when she did a few months ago and it, it's great. And I've, I see her point of view. It's a bit like how I'm against plastic surgery because it isolates people from the rest of us munters. <laughs> creates a new category of human. But you know what? We, we get to go to our Munters play group, so we, we got this. <laughs> what are you, weirdo? Don't you think life would be better? You know how we always get criticised in England for not learning foreign languages? Yes. Um, which is fair, because everyone else can speak foreign languages, even the Welsh. <laughs> they can speak more than one language. Um wouldn't it be fantastic if we all learned sign language? Wouldn't that actually... I think it would improve everyone's life. Because you can sign to people in a bar and say another Well, point, this, I loved this aspect that was brought up about Norris and the fact that he picked it up because he was able to gossip about people in sign. And I'd never thought of that before, but that is absolutely perfect. See, this is why I I, I can it. imagine him, you know, going out with Frida. If there wasn't any benefit for him, he probably wouldn't sign. He's the sort that would just talk loudly. But well, I that's love... that's what George is doing. I, yeah, he is, isn't he? I love how he was gossiping in sign and that is absolutely perfect. Um... We talked about learning sign language so we could sign to each other while we're doing the podcast. So if we need to, if I need to be like, hurry up, I need to go to the toilet. Every so often when we're recording. No, Gemma's Gemma's sign is usually, and I can't do it. uh, Cut um, cut your head head off. Cut your own head off means I need to start to go to the toilet or get another cider or something. Yeah. (laughs) Now, you you didn't um, write this down, but part, part of the reason that Gemma tries to justify the cochlear implant to Frida is the way that George treats her and also somebody else I can't remember but Frida has a couple of moments during this week where because she's deaf she gets treated a bit differently and not taken as seriously Mm. and George for example says talks to Frida like come to the back room Mm. and I'll sort out your payment like she can hear him if he shouts louder and he's obviously really awkward with her and he's kind of um. Mm, yeah, just awkward. He's he's not being horrible, but he's like try, using kid gloves. And I, am, I imagine he has a lot of experience with elderly people who are hard of hearing but not deaf. So for mm. him, he's used to having to speak loudly and clearly to you know the the spouses of yeah. the deceased. But the thing is, if you're deaf and you you lip read, talking loudly and making your mouth move differently. It's going to be make it harder for you to read the lips. Yeah. So Frida's trying to say to him, I can lip read, you don't need to talk, you don't need to do that. And mm. he can't really get it. And he's just desperately trying to be do the right thing, but he's making it worse. And Gemma's pointing this out to Frida, you know, you've got your struggles and I can take that away from my child. I don't mm. want him to, I don't want to take his identity away, but I also don't want him to suffer. Yeah. And yeah. Frida can't, can't appreciate it because... She's she's just being defensive. Mm-hmm. So, um, what what did you think? I I, I forgot we to put it in the news later on. But um, what did you did you enjoy the Norris tribute on Monday? I thought it was a fairly oh it was great standard. I, I like Norris. I wouldn't put Norris anywhere near my top ten or anything in, in best characters. I don't have the the deep affection and love for him that some people do. He he could sometimes be a bit too nasty, but um, he's he's a 
proper classic bit of Corey. And like I said before about him, he he straddles the old and modern Corey yeah, eras really for does. me because he came in just at the very end of of old Corey. And he was such a different character back then, wasn't he? He was like so confident and a, a go getter and, and businessman, and, and he was the, everything that Derek Wilton wanted to be. But then he, when he comes back in. 99 is it early 2000s and he transitions into this kind of gossipy old woman sort of character he he has he he deserves a bit of respect which is why i'm a little bit disappointed with how he's been treating and how his funeral is being treated in the program but i did think that the um the tributes program was great lots of lovely norris moments there the the commonwealth games which we've just seen on the dvds haven't we when he was a medal bearer you got your misery with mary you got um what else was there? Well, uh, uh, lots of other bits with um with Derek and Mavis as well. Um, I just I just thought he's he was great, and um I'm I'm one of these people who never really appreciate. Well, I feel like I try to appreciate things before they're gone. Mm. But when whenever I see a program like a tribute program, even if it's somebody like Norris, that you know, like you, I wouldn't necessarily go all top. No. character. But when I watched that, I was like, oh no, mm. Norris, we can miss we'll miss him now. Yeah. He's, when he's gone, he's gone. And this thing is, he has got a death. And there's lots of characters yeah. who don't get a death, yeah. like Hilda Ogden, possibly still alive. Immortal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and uh, so and, and Emily, like, will she get a death? I don't know. I wonder whether whether um, Eileen Derbyshire has said not until I. Mm. Go. Uh, it's going to be weird. I, I, I'm hoping that we might get surprised by is, a, a little appearance over over video call from Emily on Mon- on Monday, Wednesday, whenever it was. I would love that. Um, Eileen Derbyshire is such a private person yeah. that I honestly don't even think that we will find out when she has died until quite a few. What somebody's Poss- going to yeah, see it in the, in the obituaries or something and go climbing. I, I just think that she's. I I, I, I completely respect her. Her, her, you know, wanting to be a separate person from her character, mm. and now she's left. I think, you know, yeah. let her. It was nice her. that it was nice that she got a mention. It was important, and, and and same with Mavis got. No, did Mavis get a mention? I don't remember. Or maybe I'm confusing the fact that Thelma Thelma Barlow was in the tribute show, which was lovely to see her. I love her. Great. Um, I mean, I I think that um. I'd I'd quite like Mavis to turn up at the funeral and get some revenge for how Derek was at De- De- um, sorry Norris was at Derek's funeral. Remember when he gets up and he makes oh, this yeah. speech and calls him Dirk and Mavis is just going. Wasn't called Dirk. She gets so mad she kicks everybody out of the funeral. Yeah, so th- this could totally be Mavis's revenge, but um, I don't think that's cut. going to happen. No. Although it would be such an epically Corey thing to do for somebody to get revenge for something that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, that's yeah, Bye Bye Norris, I think. Did you did it get your goat as much as it did in mind, the way that it was just getting a bit silly? No. Because, I mean, he was a comedy character, I suppose, so some might say, well, that that's what a character like that deserves. But me, I think that even Mary, with a character like this... But this is Mary to a T, isn't it? This is Mary's just extravagant nature. I think we were supposed to find it funny, and I don't think we did. I, I, I don't think we were. Su- I don't think we were supposed to be like, oh, Frieda and Gemma, take the stick up your ass. it's Norris. But oh, I don't know, it, she, she, she wound me up. Yeah. Should we let's let's do the next story? We got uh, we got Kelly, haven't we? The, so the the big um, cliffhanger last week was Imran getting into the car with um, Sabine and poor Kelly. Oh yes, <laughs> that's just quite important poor too. Poor Kelly. Ah, oh, Kelly. Trying um, to end her life. Trying to top herself, wasn't she? 
So this this story didn't necessarily. I don't think it. Um, the the resolution to these cliffhangers was quite as satisfying or you know in depth as I was expecting. Really, both of them were well. The the Imran one was um, kept a bit of a mystery about what happened completely, wasn't it? Whereas Kelly is like, no, she's all right, really. This is so 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 weird to me because this story was obviously the victim of reorganising the the scheduling, but so the Monday's episode should have been on Friday. Yes, but it actually didn't feel like a conclusive way of so so. It, it did feel like a Monday's episode because it felt like we were picking things back up. Yeah, I know. So you I mean. don't understand what happened here. It was it was a bit weird. Yeah, because it because it was also not in Wednesday's episode at all, which would have mean that they didn't they just get Monday anyway. Yeah, what happened, yeah. So Gemma? you would have so you would have got to Friday's episode had the cliffhanger of what's happened to Kelly, and then no, that's well, what you we knew did what have. you knew what happened to Kelly. Sorry, and then you would have waited. Mm. Oh well. So it's odd. <laughs> on Monday, Dirty Dog. Who's going to get the award out of him and Tyrone? Oh, I don't know. I think it's probably got to be Tyrone, to be honest. So. Right. Well, Dirty Dog, hungover, Imran, is accosted by Nina in the street, who's not moralising on him, but she has been looking into how to appeal. And she wants him to help her, and he looks hopeless and says, Gary's there too, just rocked up to be nosy. And t- trust me, now we've moved into a much smaller place than the one that we were in before. I can totally understand how this happens. We're in a total Coronation Street community here, aren't we? We're in a, we're in a, the end of a close. Um, and there's like a little row, there's like, what, it's four, little... five, six maybe houses a bit like ours. And our next door neighbour came to speak to us the other day and he gave us all the gossip on everyone around us. It was amazing. And this guy next door works for the SAS and the MOD, but he also has a, what, is it a roofing business or no. something? What is it he, he does? He works... Oh, no, he builds bridges. He builds bridges. I don't I wasn't really listening. <laughs> What's he doing? Can anybody guess from what Michael's just said what the man next door does for a living? <laughs> what is it? He works in refrigeration. Oh, yeah, that's right, isn't he? So he spends all his time at Tesco's. <laughs> no, but he also he gets called... He said that. He said he's okay, at Tesco's, but sometimes gonna... he gets sent to the other side of the world to do secret stuff. We don't know if anyone who's listening is, is our neighbour, our new neighbour, so we don't want to say anything. Okay. Okay. They all seem really lovely, but it is a place where if you go to your car someone might talk to you about yeah. a plot line. Yeah, whereas in our last place, we never spoke to the neighbours, I did literally we? was like, I was in some kind of religious retreat where I couldn't speak or look anyone in the eye. Well, three or four months ago, when we, were, when we hired a skip to get rid of stuff, somebody who lived a couple of houses down the road said, oh, have you just moved in? And we'd been at this house for 15 years. That yeah. shows what that community was. But already it's like, oh, yeah, there's, there's a band of us. I can, I can imagine us getting together for the, for the Jubilee next year or something. But although Maybe. not everybody with everyone else, because... It turns out that not everybody likes each other house on the just street. Just like Coronation it's, Street. It's just we are in our own soap. Anyway, Gary's there, just nosing, and Imran tells Nina and Gary that without evidence, it's not possible to appeal because there's nothing new. Well, Imran's, already... just, Imran's not in the right headspace with this anyway. He's just come back from whatever with Sabine. Fagging and shagging. We don't know. He doesn't fag. We don't know that either. He might have been shagging. He might have been stressed. He might have... You know, she might have kicked him out of the, car, the taxi on the way. Listen, Leanne runs over and desperately, where the, where the hell have you been? Kelly needs you. Um, Abby slept on the sofa. She's mad at Kevin. She's uh, doing this classic Abby thing where she rejects people and their love because she hates herself so much. She doesn't feel like she deserves it and she wants to punish herself. 
and this is how she's doing it by rejecting Kevin's love, which I say that's that's self healing. That is, mm-hmm. tell him get kick him to the curb. <laughs> she's not interested in him. She says it's all over. Everything's done. She's hopeless. Um, not not she's hopeless, but she's less of hope. Yes. <laughs> Imran turns up at the hospital to a frazzled Toya. And he's, he's excusing, like, oh, I went on a massive bender and slept at the office. And Toya's like, we needed you. Oh, I felt so bad for her oh, there. What's happened? I know I did as well. I thought she did a good job. What do you mean, what's happened? I, I, don't, I think it's obvious that Sabine and Imran... Yeah, but they didn't get the waking up in bed next to each other scene, did they? COVID. That's classic soap. Because it's COVID. Well, you know, she could have been in bed and he's there brushing his teeth or something. I don't know. Yeah, but think about it like this. If you're setting up a story where... One character has a fling with another character mm. and then has to re- repair the relationship with his current partner, which I think is what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Right? You wouldn't bubble up Imran with Sabine for one scene. No, but... They, because they... you've got to bubble to- Toya and Imran together for the rest of the they scenes. They very purposefully left it a little bit ambiguous, I'm going to say. They didn't have Sabine ringing up. They didn't have any kind of okay. contact. They, they had nothing. So okay, as I things stand something? at the moment, Schrodinger's Imran did and didn't <laughs> sleep with Sabine. So I still like him. I think he might have just killed her. <gasps> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe he, he maybe Richard like... Hillmunder. <laughs> Patricia like, back around no, the head of the spade. He's just like I know how to Bounce get away. The wig. I know how to get away with murder now. Just kick a man to death and let a small blonde child <laughs> take the rap. Oh, that's anyway. why he's so worried that that um, Kelly's done this because he's like, "You're my alibi. You're the one that killed Sabine." <laughs> yeah, any, and, other, any other blondes around here? Any other ne'er do well blondes? She's gone as well. What am I supposed to I, do? I'd pin it on Max. He's a bit of a wrong in there, oh, isn't he? Max would definitely. Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> definitely. I suspect him of everything. They're having a bit of a rant at each other, our Toya and Imran, mostly at the detention centre for letting this happen because she was very vulnerable and she should have been more supported in her mental health. I've always thought this. I can't believe this really. You know what I mean? When you really think about it, you do, you do something wrong or somebody says you did. And then the next minute, the government can just put you somewhere and you're not allowed out. Mm. The concept of that, if I think about it too much, it just fries my brain. I yeah. can't... I think, I I think how this thing cope. where they're having to go to the detention centre, probably if you live working somewhere like that, it's one of these cases where you see it on TV happen all the time and say, no, this doesn't... I mean, obviously it does happen in prison, but um, I think that probably the guards will ever get a bad rap because they are probably very good at looking after inmates and vulnerable people, but they know that doesn't suit the plot. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, yeah. Abby's completely shutting Kevin out, and she's she's fantastic here. This this line really made me pause, where she said, it's eating me from the inside out, and I feel like I'm mm. rotting. What a fantastic way of putting it. Great line. Perfect delivery. She's she's brilliant, Sally Carmen. Um, she says, let we me... We have to say that at least once every episode. Everyone's brilliant. Just in case you've forgotten. She begs Kevin to let her go... He's not enough for her. And then she pushes him away by saying, I don't love you. I never did. It was all just a scam. You're a free ride and a stopgap. And then she walks out and that's the, that's the end of Abby. Mm. Like, like we said earlier, and it has been in the news, so we were allowed to say it, but um, Sally Carmen went down with COVID while this was being filmed. So can only imagine that the amount of rescheduling and rewriting scenes and everything that had to be done during the whole of this course. I mean, what a time. Um, there's never a good time to have COVID, obviously, but um, it just goes to show that it doesn't... Behind um... the scenes, there must have been some very sleepless nights on the production staff. Oh, yes. And we, uh, you know, I tried to 
we always criticize what we don't like but just to make it clear i cannot i cannot understand how anybody can do this job this is like juggling with knives that pointed on both ends i don't know how anybody manages <laughs> to schedule all of this and work out all the kinks i still it's, think it what what happened with Abby running away though it makes me wonder was that in the original version of the script because I can totally imagine her doing this like you said it's very in character for her to push everybody away and put everyone who's trying to support her saying no 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 and just go and wallow her own grief for a little bit um so yeah, yeah I hope it was it, in the plan originally because it must be very frustrating to sort of craft an amazing plot line and then have it you mm. know turn to dust but that's the that's when you work with human beings. This well, I mean, when when people go off sick on Coronation Street, often they'll give the lines to somebody else, won't they? You can't so really. Do... It's, it's, yeah, so Abby's kind of a bit of a lone wolf, isn't she? Toys that going. My son's in prison. My no, my son was killed. <laughs> anyway, she cries and walks out, and that's the end of that. Gary asks Craig if he's heard from Faye. Oh, I was going to delete this out. note. Yeah, I just got a shout out for Faye. Got a letter a few days no ago. No reason. Um, that's not even this what's story. Up, what's up with? Craig and, and you know is he going to get in trouble for this because that was our uh... this is interesting why did they bring this up it is interesting because Craig is involved in the profiling story where he's gone in to recant his previous statement and give a new statement mm. okay but he's also involved in this clandestine relationship with Faye who's in prison if one of the police officers finds out that he's doing this behind everyone's back, the knives are going to be out for him now. Oh, yeah, They're not going to have his back over this. Mm. Now he's turned on them. Yeah, that should and, have been the note in that story, really, shouldn't it? And um, it, it could come out and be used against him. Interesting. There you go. Um, massive Imran down the phone later um, to someone who's in trouble now because Kelly has um, ended well, up Imran's in hospital. Imran's just having to go at the... Yeah. Toya's trying to get him to stop. Um, and he's saying, I was just trying to help. And she's like, well, you're not. And she goes off to go and get some things. The bo- door's barely swung closed when a nurse comes in to tell him that Kelly is stirring. Um, he goes in to see her and she's still a bit upset. Um, she He tries to jeer up and say, we'll find evidence, we'll appeal. And she says, no, she's given up. And she cries and she says, I can't even kill myself, right? Oh, I feel so sorry for this poor girl. Another great performance, but like I said, I think it was kind of swept under the carpet a little bit. And I know she went to her group later in the week, but I I thought that they could have got a bit more mileage out of the drama that was created by the climax and the, 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 the cliffhanger last week. But the she, thing is, no matter what happens to Kelly, no matter if she gets vindication or, you know, um, absolved of this crime that she didn't actually commit, she's always going to have this experience in and talk trauma. Yeah. and And this on her yeah this this horrible experience imagine being that desperate mm. and it looks like with the introduction of this Mia character as well she's even going to get a story out of her time being in prisons which I'm sure is not going to be um, plain sailing for her well she does yoga now oh yeah um, no sure she's not in Sally's prison is she I don't know whether yoga's the yoga. got yeah because I was wondering as well so is Norcross, she going to be in... Is it Norcross? I can't remember. That's yeah, the I think women's so. prison. Yeah, but this is the, the juvenile detention yeah. centre, isn't it? And I was thinking, how old is Faye again? Is she in this? But I think Faye's too old. I think she went to proper prison. I think she's like... Faye's she... older than Kelly? Yes. She, Faye's like... Um, Faye's 12? No, Faye's like 19 now, maybe? No. Yeah, she's in proper grown-up big girl prison. I don't believe it. Mm. Faye doesn't, doesn't seem right, does it? Anyway, um, he goes in to see Kelly. She's upset... 
Um, Sally comes over later to see Kevin. He's down in the dumps and she says, this is classic. This is classic Abby. She'll come back when she's ready and she does love you. Believe, believe in your love, which I thought was nice. Yeah. Toya's joined. Um, and Ron and Kelly. Yeah. And they're all trying to make her see. It's not the end of the world. She can still get out if she can appeal. Um, and Kelly's just talking about going back and thinking, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. I should have stopped Corey. I should have tried really hard. Um, she's just feeling sorry for herself, but this is part of really the process of coming to terms with what the heck's happened. Mm. Toya promises that they're all going to focus on her and they're going to get a good therapist. And I think Kelly's also talking about, oh, you should get another foster child, blah, blah, blah. And this is why Toya, me. Toya's like, no, we want you to be our foster child. Well, they've only got her for a little bit longer before she turns 18, surely. Well, this surely. is the thing. Like, what do you do? Kick him out with a frying pan and a five-pound note? Yeah. Um, that's what they do in a, in a home, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would hope not. Anyway, the, uh, Toya and Imran go back home later, and Imran finds that he's missed... It, he, he remembers he doesn't have his phone, and he gets a, a missed call with a voice message, which is Kelly pre-suicide attempt telling him that she needs him and she can't cope and everything's really dark and if he had picked this call up he could have stopped what she did I think and it... he blames Toya for this for not hearing Harsh. the phone call come on Imran what this is not say? cricket I was going to say he's playing a very dangerous game there play I think oh I've got a missing uh, a voicemail I think I'm just going to play this that could have been Sabine saying Hi, fancy round boy. two Hi, big boy. You left so early I didn't get to kiss you goodbye. Exactly, and Toy was there. That was that could have gone south for him right quickly. I think he's obviously forgotten what he got up to last <laughs> night. To- Imran's aghast, yeah, that she, that she maybe, let it maybe go. Maybe it's evidence of the fact that he didn't do anything last night. Clinging on into that hope. What evidence? No, maybe the fact that it wasn't Sabine. That's <laughs> not evidence. <laughs> oh. No. That's why she's the barrister and not me. Yeah. Later on, Imran apologises to Toya for having to go at her. And she says, no, you were right. She was, ha- she was asking for help and we- I let her down. But we've got each other and we have to be united front. I can't believe the ghoul of this man too. Blaming Toya for not hearing the phone that he left in his house while he went off and got drunk and shagged his ex-wife. I know, that was... Bit harsh. I couldn't believe you. That you want to just put him and Tyrone in a bag and chuck him into the canal, don't you? <laughs> his first reaction wasn't, "Oh dear, I've missed the message on my phone." No, that I didn't have with me. He's it's it's guilt though, isn't it? He's I, he clearly from the, that first scene on Monday feels massively, massively guilty about what he's done. He's kind of staggering back through the streets in the rain, and he's drunk, and he's got, you know lost his mind, and and he. He knows that it was his fault, but he's like, I, I need to keep what I've done a secret at all costs. So the first thing that comes he's... out of my mouth is, it's your fault. I don't know if he's that self-aware in this moment, but that's, you know, that's you can see it either way. On Thursday, Imran tells Toya that he is using the rest of Gary's money, secret money, doesn't know it's from Gary, to get a clinical psychologist for Kelly so that she can um, stop being sad yeah I hope it does a better job than the um, the blood spatter that you spent the rest of the money on because that was a bit of a waste of time what was a waste of time goes to visit Kelly she's just really hopeless and she says I've got I've just got the next 12 years I've got to get on with it um, she doesn't really want to think about appealing anymore does she no Imran says go to a support group and she's like fine I will if you make me but I don't care anymore 
So she goes to this group support thing where she doesn't really want to stay. It's just loads of like, little girls sitting around in a circle, isn't it? There are four of them or something talking about harrowing experiences they've had that led them to this position that they're in now. She meets a girl called M- Mia who tries to persuade her to stay because she's got... I mean, what else is she going to be doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, Especially later, if there's no yoga. Later on, Kelly thanks her because she enjoyed herself and Mia says, you can talk in the group whenever you're ready. And then she asks Kelly what she's in for. And she's like, well, it was, I was convicted. I like the way she phrased yeah. this. I was convicted of murder, but I didn't do it. And Mia believes that she's I quite innocent. like Mia's reaction. Because whenever they have that, whenever they have people who are sent down wrongfully in Coronation Street, or any fiction probably, people are like, yeah, that's what they all say, love. Yeah, of course, wink, wink, you didn't do it. But So I did appreciate Mia believing her. And that's what Kelly needed, because she got quite bolstered by that, didn't she? She had a bit of a, a smile that somebody at last believes her that's in here. I wonder whether Mia believes her because she also killed somebody. But she's pretending that she did, didn't. Did Mia say what she was in for? I can't no. remember whether she did. You're not supposed to. It's, not, it's, faux, it's a faux pas in prison mm. to ask what you're in for. On Friday, Sharon's back. Sharon Bentley? No. No, have it. Not a other Sharon. I bet you Sharon... Sharon Lone Shark Sharon. I bet you this Sharon said have it more than the other Sharon ever has. I bet she did while she was giving them a good kick in. Give me your money. Have it. Have so it. So Sharon is... But she's the... got a taser in her bag. Maybe it's dead this, an issue to all Sharons in, in Weatherfield. Perhaps. Sharon is the ex-partner in crime, literally, of Rick Nealon, who is Kelly's dad, who's dead now. And... Harry, Gary killed him. Yeah. Sharon has a real affection and protective feeling towards Kelly. She was kind Same of like her, her... Like surrogate uh, Surrogate, exactly, yeah, because obviously um, Laura Nealon was a rubbish mum. Rick was always up to nefarious deeds. And I wouldn't Sharon call her a, a, a surrogate mum, but she was like, you know, a protective aunt. Yeah. And, and she was the one that was making sure that when like, Gary was paying for the schooling area that he didn't yeah. miss a payment. She came and told him off every now yeah. and then. Um, so he has, she has a go at Gary because of what Kelly got up to. And she says she wants to keep... She wanted to keep Kelly out of the world of crime. Now, she's only in prison. Mm. So Gary's failed. Gary tells Maria and she's not happy that he's yeah, he wants getting to, involved again. He, he wants to do what he can to, to help Kelly. And she's like, stay the heck away, Gary. Stop involving yourself in other people's mm. storylines. Mm. Can we not have a storyline about my lovely rose gold faucet? That we have. Also, what about all the traffic, Gary? Look, what about my son? What happened there? He's literally. He's got asthma. If you were to cut him open now, his lungs would be blackened. Blackened hard. Like a pickled walnut. Mm, mm. You don't even care, Gary. It's like it's like it's nothing to you. <laughs> Um, this, this week was the week of comebacks. We haven't kind of particularly remarked on that yet, have we? But as well as it Ken really coming good. back from his little break, we had yeah. we had Claudia back, we had Frida back. I know she's been on, in, on and off it a little bit. We had Sharon, we had Elaine was back as well, yes. Zidane. There's I like know. six characters here that we've not seen in months. It feels like nature is healing maybe itself. This, maybe the whole of the cast had COVID during this and they were like just grabbing any... Just anyone r- Going through the address book going, oh, can, can, Are you all right? Ruler, can you come back and do a few episodes, Can you get please? a PCR test and pop over? <laughs> right, anyway, that's the end of that storyline. I think Ruler Lenska was number one in the line to get the vaccine, I would say. Oh, yeah, say. probably. There's like a national treasures list. Yeah. So, um... 
we didn't get any Corey this week, did we? What do you reckon he's up to now? Just living it up, um, being very smug. Yeah. Are we going to see? We're going to see him again, aren't we? I assume. I just thought we might, that he might have more of a presence on the street this week. Maybe he needs to get have a. Maybe Sharon needs to give him a quick visit. Oh, I'd love Sharon to rough Corey up. I think that would be um, quite poetic justice for him, wouldn't it? Because he's such a misogynist to be beaten up, kicked to death by a girl. Oh. I think I think that'd be quite good. Um, anything else good to, I think we've kind of I done our discussion had, as we've gone I, I suggested something to you the other day and I just remembered it for how because oh yeah speaking of Corey we all know that this story is going to end up with Kelly getting set free and Corey back being banged up or, or, or dead or dead as right? Max and I how is this week. going to how is this going to play out what, what how do we get to that point and I had an idea because one thing I was thinking of was Seb had HIV, mm. and that never really that didn't turned into a story. No. And I think because Corey is a very ignorant, bigoted person, this is the thing: his comeuppance needs to come from some sort of character flaw. It needs to be triggered by him doing something wrong, rather than because we we the other characters can't find anything any more evidence no, okay so, so to get to be a satisfying story he needs to trigger his own demise doesn't he really mm. um and one way of doing that would be for Corey to find out that seb had hiv mm. because he was so close he got blood on him but there's no evidence because he destroyed the evidence so his argument is that he wasn't next to seb so that's why there's no blood, because it was all um, Kelly who did it. Yeah. But if he finds out that Seb had HIV, then he starts to panic that he's caught it off of him. And we did see this blood spatter on his cheek as well, didn't we? They made that very clear in the mirror scene when he was looking at himself back in the flat. So you, And you, you can could just imagine him freaking out and being really foul about, oh, you know, saying horrible things about him being impure or whatever, mm. whatever horrible things you want to say about somebody who's, who's got a disease like that. Um, he would then trigger this freak out and people would be asking him, why do you think you need, you've got HIV? I do like this, but I think I almost think that that would have been better if it had come out in court. Yeah. If Imran had brought up the fact, like, were you aware that Mr Franklin uh, had HIV? And then he just, that completely caught him off guard and yeah. he lost it in front of everybody. But the thing is that you have to, we'd have to be really delicate about this because you don't want to make anyone who has HIV or to spread the idea that it is a, a dirty, horrible thing to have. Because we've been through that. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're over that as a society. We support people who have it because um, there are ways to treat it. So what it needs to do is to um, not not put the onus on, on Seb for having it, but to put it on to Corey for how he reacts yeah, I to think finding good. out I like that. that he had it. That's the only way I can think... That's like one way I can think of doing it. But I just... I, the only thing is I, I worry about stigmatising mm. people because I, I would never ever want that it's, but it's hard sure enough they could work it it's hard enough to live with it as it as it is you know the the stigma of it without having something mm. trigger people's reactions but it maybe it would be an opportunity again to educate people about it because we did have a little bit of that but it was a while ago yeah yeah no i'd like that idea i like that right next, i'm moving on next story we'll get we've got to get through this it's late already well late in the day um so the, the zidane story so thursday he phones up yasmin it's her birthday happy birthday yasmin he says he's going to stop by in the next couple of weeks we also learn at this point that alia is getting very behind with the paperwork at speed dial and yasmin says i'm going to pull my weight more at the restaurant i'm going to help out do some figures with you 
Even though it's my birthday. Yeah. Um, and while they're there, Elaine turns up. She's got some birthday flowers for Yasmin. Lovely. Um, and we also find out that a party of 12 has been booked tomorrow. So Elaine says, don't worry, I'll roll up my sleeves and help out. I'd completely forgotten she was a sleeping partner at the Speed Dial. So thank you very much, scriptwriter, for reminding me there. End of the day, all gone well. Elaine's really chuffed with how Yasmin's coping. The main action of it comes in Friday. And I think lots of people didn't really enjoy this on Friday. I thought it, I thought it had its moments that I quite liked, but it, it was a little bit silly as well. I felt that it fell flat Mm-hmm. to me a lot of the it felt like there was they were trying to force energy into the scene and there was none and i don't know how that the oxygen was sucked out of the room somehow didn't it did it wasn't great was it but i i didn't hate it um so anyway it's all go at speed dial on friday but they've run out of flour they can't make their naan breads or their uh, chapatis or anything like or that carafas. and then this party of 12 show up but there's only three of them and they've been working their asses off trying to put you know lay the tables out for 12 people probably turning other people away but for one reason or another they've lost eight people out of this party and yeah there's uh, eight or not no nine people at the party and there's only three of them left there's a mum a gran and a, and a little kid isn't there so this this mum is um the the uh, textbook difficult character getting super ratty when she hears that there's no flour for naan bread or no anything alcohol. yeah no alcohol there exactly because she wants a bottle of prosecco or something um so she's yeah she wants two bottles of prosecco michael oh, and there's yeah. only two adults there <laughs> i think that she's a woman after my own heart um ali is also stressing because the delivery driver's late it's massive basically a massive disaster and things only get worse when the boy's pet tarantula escapes out of its box what, which is in, in between... its bag i don't know why he's carrying it in a box in a bag but it helps the story in between all of this you can call it that alia is is phoning the delivery driver trying to give him instructions and then she gets the bank on the on the on the phone and they say you've got they've got weird suspicious activity on your account please enter this please um go to your account and tell us what the pin code is so we can sort this out for you and she's like oh no grand's messed up somehow and she's she's paid all the bills at once, so they think it's fraudulent activity. Yeah. So and then she goes back on the phone with the delivery driver to try to tell him where to go. Mm. And um, so eventually, this spider, this tarantula, um, makes its presence known to one of the other um, pairs of clientele at the uh, the speed dial. They scream. They're hiding away from this this little really cute little tarantula that's crawling around. I thought it was very nice, nice and fluffy. Talk about stigma. People with HIV. I know. And then the also tarantulas. tarantulas. Oh, yeah. Also stigmatised by society. <laughs> I also want to say one thing. If anyone's seen, which hopefully you all have, Austin Powers, the scene where, is it Sm- Smitty? Yeah. Gets run over by the... Very rock- slow-moving steamroller. By the steamroller. And he's standing there going, no! As the steamroller slowly moves towards him to crush him to death. This is how I felt about the menacing tarantula who was casually strolling around... It's not like it's it's like a massive spider. You can't really lose it if you're watching where it goes. You'll always see it, and it's not like it was scuttling. No, it was just chilling out. I don't like spiders, but I don't think I would freak out this much about a tarantula, Mm. Um, especially when there's a Tupperware. I was thinking, there he is. Get the Tupperware box and put it over the top of it, just like a normal spider. It's fine. It's not going to leap at you. Get the Hoover. <laughs> I'm just. I think that Smitty was the one that was um, decapitated by an ill-tempered mutated sea bass. He was the one that was paid by Rob Lowe. I don't remember. I never know actors. Anyway, um, Elaine gets on the phone to the RSPCA trying to get somebody to rescue Imagine. it because there's boys in the loo. I can't believe Elaine phoned the RSPCA. Like, what's the? Is there like a hotline for idiots 
to phone the, the RSPCA. <laughs> like, listen, lady, we've got like, there's a deer that's been run over on the ring road. It's backing up the traffic. We want catch to catch your and own find damn tarantula. Get the boy to catch the tarantula. Apparently, he was doing a poo. Massive one. In the, in the in the toilet, reading his comics. Yeah, he comes back and and catches it in the end, so it's all fine. Yeah. Um. And that, but the, this is when Alia gets another phone call from the bank to say that the business account is completely empty. Is so... this what they do? Yeah, I guess so. Because I've emptied my bank account many me. times, and they've never phoned. It's probably me up. supposed to be more in the uh, the business account than. Than Nothing. yours, to be fair. So uh, Elaine says, it's going to be fine, but Alia's not so sure. Oh, no. And it's, it basically, it sounds like she's been scammed in some way. Um, and then, but during this, and this was not the best script, and I have to say, Yasmin keeps pointedly saying, oh, Alia, what a wonderful girl. She, she never makes a mistake. Yeah, why because, did she literally use that phrase? She never makes a mistake. Because I, is, it, is it Alia thinks that she's screwed up or something? She has screwed up. I can't remember what's happened because I was falling asleep. Alia... <laughs> When the bank phoned up to say, please, you've got fraudulent activity. Oh, yeah. That was actually the scammer. That's what happened, wasn't it? So Thank the, you very much. So this terrifies me because they would get me too. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do anymore. Do you? <laughs> I just do it all online. I didn't get that at all. So but... she, yeah, she, she told them. Okay, so she, yeah. So she was distracted by the, by the phone calls from the delivery driver yes. and the tarantula crawling all over the place that and the annoying woman you. That would distract who you. wants Prosecco. Right, so Yasmin's got no money now, but she still didn't realise no, that Alia's one. Yeah, yeah, but she didn't realise that Alia's the one behind this. And, and she keeps saying her. how wonderful she is. Um, she phones up Zidane, tells him. Elaine says it's all going to be fine, don't worry. And at the end of the day, Yasmin's still banging on about how wonderful Alia is, who is feeling very guilty. But luckily, um, she gets a massive distraction in the form of Zidane, her brother, who walks down the steps. And he has come early. He said that he'd come in the next couple of weeks, but he's rocked up now. Yasmin's well, thrilled. Um, and then he unwittingly drops Alia in about, about it, about the scam. So it's, Don't worry about the scam, Gran. Yes. I'll help you. And Alia's like, shut up. <laughs> Yasmin doesn't appreciate the idea that Alia was keeping all this from her, I thought this way. was super out of character. Yasmin, all Friday, was like, Alia's the best woman in the whole world. And then she make, she like gets scammed literally like anyone could get scammed and then she's like Alia you're the worst so irresponsible I hate you you're terrible why is she so mean to her about it she didn't do it on purpose just to, just to make her feel I, even guilty I thought that was Bad. Zidane's trying to calm things down. He says he's going to cook a nice dinner because don't remember, don't forget, he's now the best chef in Weatherfield. Now Robert Preston's popped his clogs, and he but he he looks troubled. There's there's something going on there with Zidane, isn't he? When he's there alone in the kitchen, he's like, oh, I've got a dark secret dark to reveal secret. next week. Yeah, but we do find that he is um, loaded, which is nice. He's uh, he's going to transfer fifty G's, he says, into the business account. Um, and uh, but Ali is suspicious of this. Also, why did you get here so quickly? There was twice. a load of mystery. How did you get here so quickly? Well, Alia, do you know when I left my house? <laughs> That's the question. Like, why did she well, keep he's saying that? to be that? in Spain or something. I don't know. I just I, I don't he get. Got married abroad, it's didn't not they? really that suspicious to me that somebody's arrived that I didn't know had left their house. <laughs> um, you, you glad to see Zidane back? I, is, look, I don't normally say anything about the way people look. But what was that haircut? I don't know what it is. Quite shiny. Because you can change your hair. This is the thing. You can change your hair, and it's the haircut. He used to have really great hair. I mean, his hair's lovely. He's got lovely thick, um, luscious 
head of he hair, looked, yeah. but he's got a bowl cut. He looks a bit different than before. He also kind of bulked up and beefed out looks, a little bit more, hasn't he? He's not. I don't know. I, he he didn't appear We're to be. We're not talking the, about. No, no, I'm not. But I'm, I, it's, I don't know whether they've changed. Going to be changing his character as well. He was always um, a bit surly and moody, but I did. I remember by the time he left being definitely on Team Zidane over the whole Kate yeah, and Rana oh, thing. And he, he was a, a bit more of a sensitive soul. And he was also like one who, for the religion, of all the Nazirs, his, his faith was religion, the most important religious. to him. And I, I don't know whether they're going to get rid of that because it, it feels true. like that they that he's maybe involved in some dodgy business or something. That he's just got £50,000 that you can give to his gran. Uh, so I'm happy to see him again, but I'm I'm very much aware that I might be let down by this uh, this comeback. He yeah, you said he looks a bit bulkier. Perhaps he's more buff now. Well, this is just Kazim and yeah, exactly. I'm and not saying he's been eating, he's not got the COVID weight. He's been his, ha- his hair is different. So I saw quite a lot of people on Twitter going, "Oh, is it the same bloke?" Yeah, it's obviously the same bloke. He's just got definitely different him. haircut. Yeah, he's just changed during the pandemic, like we all have. So yeah. Happy to happy to have him back. Um, Don't inter- okay. Kind of glad that they've got. I'm interested to see what they do with um, Yasmin now because she she hasn't recovered massively well, in my opinion, from the Jeff story. She's been languishing a little bit on the sidelines and then being be used a bit of the comic relief and being a bit bit pathetic, maybe. Which is the same as the spider stuff, just just going off on a different part of the story. The spider's tarantula storyline just reminded me of that scene earlier this year where they were hiding from the mouse. So I yes, it was it. in character, but I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't great then. They were just no. A bit it was stupid then. It's then. stupid now. It's embarrassing to see um, women stereotyped in such a way. And I do know that that many women will react like this, but also lots of blokes don't like spiders and mice either. Mm. Um, I, I think we're beyond this. Um, as as not only a, a character trait of women in general, but also as a joke of like a person shrieking like an elephant scared of a mouse. Yeah, exactly. It was that. It was it was a massive overreaction. It also made me think, and I'm sure lots of other long term Coronation Street fans will say this as well. If you're gonna let a spider loose, people are gonna remember the brilliant scene where there's the tarantula loose in the kitchen in the Rover's Return, and the health inspector has come, and that was one of my favourite Alec Gilroy scenes where he's trying to hide this spider from the health inspector, and then yeah. he accidentally crushes it. So it was, it's why is it always a tarantula? It's just the, the look that Roy Baraglove gives when he's when he accidentally crushes the spider is oh, hilarious gross. and very Can you cool. Imagine? That was, I love that scene and this just made me think it's not as good as that. I wasn't um Elaine, I'm not fussed about her being back. When I, when she first came into it last year I thought oh, this is this seems like an interesting character but they kind of uh, ha- having her living with Kathy and um and Yasmin earlier this year kind of put me off her and when she left I was like oh well you and need somebody for Alia to talk about Yasmin. Yeah. But now, now Zidane's back. Is, is Elaine needed? Mm. Because honestly, I, I found her a bit patronising to, to, uh, this week about Yasmin. Like, she's always like, oh, she's doing so well. I do understand that, that Elaine is intimately involved in Yasmin's recovery from Jeff because it symbolises more to her as well. Yeah. And they both shared the experience, but it's starting to get a bit patronising. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I'm interested to see where the story goes because it's clearly a new story. This isn't, you know, spin-off of anything else. I'm being cautious about it. Well, if that haircut is going to stay, he's going to have to be down in... Trim up north, like on a very regular basis, <laughs> to keep that little sharp edge intact. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, Max Payne, Gemma. Didn't didn't know what to think about this. So this was the first appearance of the recasting of Max. Yeah, which we talked about in the cabin uh, the other week. So on Thursday, Daniel's on an early morning cafe run. Yeah, you know, as you do, if you're a teacher, you just, you know, idly walk to school, pick up a coffee on the way, no problem. Ken's there and he's talking about the book that Daniel's chosen to teach the children about, which is Titus Andronicus, which is a bit heavy going, really. Um, David sees Max hanging around on the street at lunch and he says, oh, I've been left out early. He's basically just playing hooky and mm. being an arse. Um, he's also an arse to Daniel at he's, school. He's a massive arse and cocky, smug git all week, this new Max, isn't he? Don't want to disparage teenage boys, but it is very teenage He's like a very classic, like, laughs at everything, makes fun of everything, is too cool for everything, thinks everyone else are a bunch of saddos. It's, and he it's invented... kids like him that grow up to be Corys, I'd have to say. Mm. And 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 I know we're kind of branching off from the synopsis here, but David was saying, I don't want him to turn out like me. Max is nothing like what David was like at his age, because David was... David was turned evil by a serial killer. Yeah, but he was also, um, you know, very cheeky. S- sarcastic and cheeky and lovable about it. He was and, a scamp. Uh, yeah, and, and, and had a great sense of humour and, and, and all this. But at the moment, Max is just coming across as a, a horrible oik. Yeah. Nothing at all like David. I've heard, often heard parents joke that when they have, when their child becomes a teenager, it is like coming downstairs one day and literally the, the kid has turned mm. from a happy-go-lucky little boy to a horrible, surly teenager. That's like teenager. that Harry Enfield sketch, isn't it, with, uh, with yes, Kevin? Yes, that's right. He turned 13 and he, he yeah. suddenly turned into Kevin. Mm. Um, so it is kind of symbolic of that process that Max has been recast. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's see what happened first. So, um, after school, Daniel tells David that Max was very lively, playing to the gallery. He's being quite diplomatic. You've got to be with parents, because some of them can be arseholes. <laughs> um, David says he's going to put a stop to it, don't you worry. So he tries to tell Max off, and Max is just very cocky and won't really listen, and says that Daniel's lying. On Friday, David's having another go at Max, because he's uh, risking falling behind, but Max does not care. Um, and Daniel has to give Max an amber warning because he didn't do his work about Macbeth. Why are they doing Macbeth and Titus Andronicus? Was Titus Andronicus for Max's class? I don't know whether it was or not. Oh, maybe not. He probably Max doesn't other care. People. He's not bothered about school. He's too cool. I think at one point he says he wants to not bother doing school anymore. Shona and David approach Daniel about after school tutoring. And Daniel's like, oh, trying to trying to subtly like put them off. I just say I don't literally don't have time. Them. I'm a teacher. He's like, I wouldn't be fair on everybody else if I if I um did that. And then David later is saying, oh, you can't spare a couple of hours to help a friend out. Literally, no. No, literally, well, the, the no. government is already providing funds for children to do catch up. That you know, with all the learning that was lost during uh, during the pandemic. Well, I'm glad that they're actually. But paying for tutoring separate because I thought at one point they were going to try and make you lot do it. You literally wouldn't be able to do it. Some, some teachers are, you, able, are, are offering to do it. Yeah, but they get paid extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you literally would not have time. I would have not time. have the time. And um, I, 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 I don't know what my stance on this story should be now because I could literally every time Daniel comes into the show now and does something that flies in the face of what is actually you know, a teacher's real life experience. I could have a good old moan and a complain about it, but I don't know whether it's worth it and whether people will be fed up of it. I now know what it's like for the people who, you know, yeah. are lawyers or judges teachers, or barristers I mean, or whatever, policemen. having seen, yeah, having seen this trial story. And just, the, Daniel's 
this is his second week as a teacher and he seemed like, you know, he's a confident guy, but I, I just would have liked to have delved into his um, trepidation yes. about going into the classroom and, and also the fact that you're the first year of a teacher is incredibly difficult and they've only made it more difficult this year, in fact. You know, you have your NQT year, which is you need to qualify yeah. teacher year. Um, that's now two years. It's called something else as well. And the expectations are massively ramped up. So why are they do- they're I'll not say it now and maybe not say it again. I did, I did like um, the fact that we saw some stuff in the school. We got to see Daniel's classroom and everything, didn't we? That was quite cool. Um, you in no way get compensated fairly for the amount of time and emotional stress that you go through. But... I just wanted to also add that in different countries, I'm thinking of America specifically here, teachers get treated even worse than they do here. I don't know if the workload is the same because your workload is ridiculous, but I do know that teachers get so paid so badly in America that some of them take summer jobs. You wouldn't be able to do that because you spend most of summer working. I I just want to, you know, I can't believe how badly people treat teachers, but you wouldn't get that from watching Coronation Street. And I just wanted to add... The, the reason why this is not a story about Daniel being a teacher. This is a story about Daniel's no, no, relationship with the the people that he teaches. Well, it's a it? Max story before it it's a Daniel like, story, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. The other thing about Daniel, and again, I, I, I will shut up after this, is that he's a secondary school English teacher who I believe are probably the hardest working. And I'm, I'm completely making paperwork. this up. Yeah, paperwork wise. If you're an English teacher, all these essays that you have to yeah. mark and everything, I, I can't even imagine because literacy, when I have to mark that, is like, oh, it's such a slog. And if that's all he does, blimey, it must be very, very difficult. I'll say no more. But I'd be well, interested to see a teacher stress storyline with him because I think he would do a very, very good job. I think job he'd of it have a mental. Honestly, D- Daniel is quite a fragile person. He is, he really is. He doesn't have any support at home. He's got a baby. Well, he's a toddler now, I would imagine. Yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know how he would cope. I think he would have a breakdown. Mm Lots of your. You're right, colleagues... he has been incredibly fragile in the past and he's, yeah, he's on his own. Lots of your. I mean, I, I, I don't want to toot my horn here, but I take up a lot of the slack in the house and I do a lot of things that you probably don't even realise I do because you just don't have time or mm. you don't... You, you, I want you to relax when you come home and not, you know... do you know? I ask you to empty the bins, yeah. but Daniel's got to empty his own bins and do the washing up. And do the cooking. And the cooking. Yeah. And, the, and the baby. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he's... What do you think of the hero, new Max? What do you think of the new Max? I don't think we're supposed to like him. Uh, no. Do you, can you see him as Max? No. Lots of people are saying, oh, he's grown up overnight. But really, Harry McDermott hasn't been much of a presence on Coronation Street for a very long time. I think the last time he appeared was last Christmas when they did the recreation of the David and Shona wedding. And then before that, yeah. it was another six months or so because of COVID and everything. So uh, although, yeah, so I think, yes, he does look a lot older than he is in our heads, but literally we, we've not seen him. And I... I don't know. I don't know what... How was it? 15? I don't know what 15-year-olds look like. I, I, my first impression wasn't, oh, he looks a lot older than he should do, but yeah. I, to I me, he know. does. I was shocked. I was like, Max? Mm. Max is not that old, but I think you it's think partly... You think still 12. It's partly because Harry McDermott is, is very youthful. He is, yeah. I mean, he was a real cute little cherub of a kid yeah. when he first came in back and very in what, 2010 shy. yeah definitely and so he did takes up less space yeah this new max is like a big bombastic arrogant he's very cocky aggressive. and arrogant and yes max is supposed to have had adhd because that was his storyline from a few years ago but at the end of the day he was like you said quite 
quite quiet and softly spoken on the whole. Mm. And, and, and when we last saw him, as I said, at David and Shona's wedding, he was still quite cute there, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and I, I really did enjoy Max at the beginning. I've been after him a little bit since he's been going through those young teenage phases. And um, personality-wise, it looks like they want to completely go somewhere different with him and, and have him fill the standard angry, horrible, oik of a teenager trope. Delinquent. Yeah. So Which is, I mean, I don't want to judge too soon because we, we just had, you know, a couple of years ago, Zen and Ditchett recast as Adam Hussein and that's like the best recasting no. ever. Yeah, yeah. But and the, so they maybe get with oh, this. God, Sorry. Will you let me speak? Yes, I will. The thing is about New Max is you're not supposed to like him. He's supposed to great you, great on you and rub you up the wrong way. He is there to play the role of the irritating teenage boy. And I can't, I don't know the actor's name, but um, he is... Paddy Beaver. He is paying it absolutely perfectly because I instantly hate him. Yeah. And I, I just want to pay tribute. Like you, I know you don't, but the thing is, it's a tribute to the actor's skill of playing somebody. And maybe he's an arsehole in real life. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, act, I actually hate him. And, uh, you know, round of applause for m- making an instantly dislikable character. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feel bad if you don't like a character to say because you feel, you know, you don't want to upset the actor. The actor's doing this role on purpose. It's when you don't like somebody and you're supposed to, like Tim. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I didn't like it. Like I said earlier, I just don't like the idea of David having kids. It's a, a very... Uh, I didn't mind it when it was like... complication Max, really, to his time life. For, time for school. Oh, I've got to give him some cereal. And that's literally the extent of his parenting. But now he's getting involved and he's on WhatsApp groups. Mm. And he's talking about homework and telling him he's got to... Growing up, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. I, I think David just seems like... I know this isn't the the actuality of the character, but he just seems like the eternal bachelor. I don't know what he's doing with with a girlfriend and children <laughs> and, a, and a wife that's dead. Yeah. He just seems like he'd be much better rocking off on his own. Yeah. Irritating his mum. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, that that was it for David and and Max. Oh, I did. I also wanted to say um, that when David was referring to Daniel as Daniel Osborne in front of Max, and I didn't think that that was very appropriate, as he is his teacher, he should be calling him Mister Osborne. Right. And I don't think that Max knew him as Daniel particularly beforehand. I know he just lives opposite and everything, but I remember um, when I was a kid, like the secret, the oh, no, secret actually, first suppose... names of teachers were mysterious. Yeah. And... Oh, no, actually, I suppose there is a link because if he was going out with Bethany, and then Bethany obviously linked to the Platts there, so maybe they did know each other better. But I don't know. Uh, racism storyline characters profiled James has had his foot scanned not going well he storms off to the police station because he wants to go and sort this well this he wants something to profile. be sorted so out so he wants something to be happening and if yeah. his foot can't be sorted out then he can sort out racism exactly institutionalised racism and Craig Craig has out. decided he wants to be re-interviewed so he goes there sees Jess that was another character that yeah. I missed earlier another comeback this week uh, he basically goes to the, uh, the his boss and says oh yeah actually they were driving fine they weren't angry sorry I didn't mention that before I'm done he goes back to James and says guess what I've told them everything that happened shower me with praise and James is like uh no you should have said that two months ago or whenever it was when it happened Do you want praise I think you should have done already no thank you mister uh, and so Craig just finishes off Wednesday's episode having a bit of a chat with wise man Kirk um and he's decided that he's not going to stop there yes he's done his bit but um it's inherent in the system and he's, he's going to do something about it. He's going to not be a passenger anymore. He's going to drive the bus. And because it's Kirk there having this conversation with Craig, he has to say something stupid, which is, you're changing jobs. Uh. 
And that's the end of that story. So he's so. going to be like Line of Duty guy. Is he going to be... Oh, yes, he might be. What's the name of their unit? Uh, oh, I don't remember. It gets mentioned remember. all the time on the programme. But... It's been so long since yeah. I've seen Line of Duty, but he's going to be the, the police corruption uh, division. Yeah, that sounds about right for Goody Two Shoes. Although, actually, no, he's all, he's very corrupt himself, isn't he? He's always telling people things that he shouldn't do. Oh, no. He'd be Come he'd be handing himself in. I'll tell you a secret. Yeah, go to, he's going to go into the interview room where they've got those mirrored walls and then just tell himself everything that he's done that he shouldn't have done. I um I I the problem I have with this story is that I don't. If, it's really tricky because the way Carnation Street have done it, um. It, the, the definition of erratically is can still be applied to what James was doing because he couldn't drive the car properly. No, he was judging about a bit. And he was. And he got out of the car when he was told not to. Because they were scared. I understand why they did it. They weren't being aggressive. No, 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 they weren't. Um, but I think that they did. They made a mistake here because they put too much ambiguity in in to the situation for us there's still there's still um benefit of the doubt here about what the policeman was actually thinking and the trouble is you can only know if he was being racist if you jump in his head and find out what he was thinking because the way that coronation street played that scene somebody who who wasn't racist could have still had the same outcome because if you saw two guys in a car and they're juddering about, and you don't know whether, and you ask them what's going on, and then they jump out of the car at you. Do you see what I mean? I don't yeah, want to excuse. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to excuse racism at all. But I what I want from Corey is a story where you can point at it and go, "This is obvious," because not, they, it's I not don't... a story about what is racism, is it? It's a story about institutionalized racism in the police. So far, it doesn't feel like Corey is particularly interested in investing a lot of time in it either. Is it? Like like many of the Bailey stories, it pops its head up for a week and a half, two weeks or so, and then disappears off for another I few months. I don't want the situation of, is was it racist, to be the problem. I want the problem that they address to be, how do we combat this? Which is of what I think they wanted. Mm. But they've made a mistake in the way that they played it originally. And I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves with this story because i hate talking about this and bringing this up every time makes me feel like i'm being racist but it is a fact that that's what happened he was driving erratically Mm. craig's also not going to solve the problem is he so i don't know what the satisfying conclusion to this is i think this i think i'm on to something with what i said earlier with Craig and Faye and the knives going to be out for Craig and it's mm. going to demonstrate what... Because if you think about police... We're they, all bent here in the force, even me. But the thing me. is, though, there must be, and it's inescapable if you're a human being, an element of us and them, if mm. you're a policeman. It's us, the police, versus everybody else. And anybody in the public could be a criminal. You don't know. You don't know until you've investigated mm. or you, they've done something wrong. Yeah? So... When the person who's on your side turns around and says that you're the one that's done something wrong, they're going to close ranks. Mm. How do you stop that from happening? Because you need the t- you need the police to be that unit, that cohesive unit, because they need to trust each other in really hard situations. But that kind of trust breeds this sort of insular, protective, um, defensive 
attitude yeah. against attacks from the outside and if you're if you if you've got such a strong in out group and you you're not on the in group you become the out group and that's what craig is going to do to himself and that i I would find that interesting i'm really not knowing where they're going with this still Mm. because there are lots of things that cory tackles that feels like you want to make a satisfying story out of it and the only way to satisfy people is to solve the problem but you can't solve racism in coronation street no it just it just ends up like when we had with the let's um, just not talk about it anymore and it's solved well we've already it already feels like coronation street attempted that with the scene we had with the baileys when the bistro was renovated and they had that horrible man making nasty comments and Ed, like, took him to task and then mm. everyone retreated to the rovers to learn about racism mm. and what, what is being woke. And then Coronation Street seemed to be like, there you go. Mm. Mm. And then that's not really good enough. No. Let's move on. We've All got right. a couple of I'm stories sorry. left. No, no, you're right. We just... I'm, I'm, All right. Eileen. Eye opener on Wednesday. Eileen invites George to stay the night because the last time we saw them, they were sneaking into the house together. Um, he's a bit taken aback and he blusters that he's got to pick up a corpse in Sheffield in the morning. Um, Mary gets annoyed because they're always hanging around together in the house and she wants to bring in a new house rule. No bringing partners home without the okay from all other house members. And George takes Mary's side because I think he's worried and he wants her to accept he doesn't him. want to yeah he does he doesn't want to pet he's a very people he's a people pleaser isn't he and i'm like this too where i will put because i trust you and i know you love me often i will kind of put your needs behind other people oh thanks you know you know you must yeah, have know. noticed this of happening course. and george is doing the same thing yeah he really should be backing eileen up here but he is too concerned about winning mary over so he kind of puts Eileen's uh, nose out of joint and he tells Eileen that he doesn't want to upset the apple cart but um, he accepts her offer of an afternoon delight so yeah, she's obviously not bothered about moment. it. No. Um, they just, and then, and then, and then Eileen and Mary just have a make-up, I don't know, they have a make-up chat. Eileen's, Eileen's very chilled after a, after a session with George and um, Eileen, Mary says, look, I was just can't, aff-. this was almost a precursor to the Norris story, wasn't it? Because Mary says, oh, I just can't afford to lose any friends at the moment. That's why I was being so harsh about this. Little did she know that in two days time she would lose one of her dearest friends. Isn't that after that happened? No, that was before. Well, there you go. So finally, we had the summer loving story. Brilliant end to the week, or the, sorry, the end of the street talk, because this happened at the beginning of the week. But um, Yeah, we this was my favourite. A little bit more of Adi and Summer's blossoming romance. He's brought a romantic cheese selection round. Um, and Dev comes over and says, he kind of breaks up their date because he has to go and cover the shop. Adi does. Um, Adi at the shop is getting increasingly annoyed that Dev's not showing any kind of interest in Summer in the same way that he did with Nina and, um, not sorry, yeah, Nina and Asher when he was gushing all over them. He was setting absolutely up the lesbian right film lights and everything. Absolutely. Adi has been just cast adrift, really, by Dev here. It was because like, Dev was even... falling over himself to show how accepting he was of yeah, Asher. That yeah. He also, um, he overdid it. Yeah. Which is unlike Dev. I wonder whether also Dev's thinking, I, when I was 
young and a player, I wouldn't necessarily have wanted my parents knowing what I was getting up to. They just let me get on with it. So that's possible as well. But anyway, Auntie says, look, you don't even know her name, do you? And, uh, and um, is this the only Dev does this? Uh, summer night? Summer 69? <laughs> like, I don't know. But um, when Auntie leaves the shop, um, Dev immediately gets on the blower to billions, um, tries to arrange this get together. And he's like, also, what's her second name? <laughs> So Audrey and Summer come back home in the evening to find Billy and Dev who've put out this party for them. And this is the debbiest Dev that's ever Dev'd, isn't it? He was Devin it right up to the max. He couldn't, he couldn't have Dev'd anymore. He any couldn't more. have been Devier if he tried. Just over the top, embarrassing, cringeworthy. The, brilliant. the Dev that and Gemma brilliant. and I absolutely love. Utterly fantastic. He, he, he's been cringeworthy for years, but now he's got the children at just the right age yes. for it to be even more embarrassing. Perfect. He was just, he, he was drunk, he was talking talking about our brilliant sexes. What does he say? Uh, he says, uh, it's uh, making love is one of life's greatest pleasures. And he's like, let's, oh. let's not be all British about it. Sex! Uh. It was... It was <laughs> so over the it top it was like of it. he and, was trying so hard to be cool and like I'm laid back I you can talk to me about anything yeah I don't I, I'm not going to make a taboo but out of this he was getting drunker and drunker yeah. as the evening that was going on and getting more more inappropriate and um obviously uh, Ardy and uh, Summer just wanted to get the heck out of there so don't um, they play hide and seek or something oh yeah something? they do yeah they, and they make him count yeah well they and he's like one there's <laughs> nothing something. wrong with talking about sex it Fantastic. Was, and, and, if you, you know, didn't like it, if sorry, you don't like Dev, I don't you like Mary sometimes. I love Dev, this. and I'm sure there were people who are complete opposite of me, but I absolutely This was like this. my birthday. This, we were rolling. We were at our, and, I and Monday, I, we, we was, this was, remember, this was the day before we moved. We were so, so stressed out on yeah, Monday evening, and we really. didn't know whether it was going to go through properly. We didn't know whether our solicitor was going to screw up, which they still did on Tuesday. And, and sitting, and, and I'd just gone, you know, had a hard day at school, and sitting watching this, I was like, in the right mood and I started watching it but that scene there my, my cares flitted away I, I was, was so so excited and happy by this scene I couldn't believe what I was seeing no and then nothing particularly happens to follow up from Wednesday they've both just got hangovers Billy and Dev and um so, oh yeah someone tells uh, Ardy that she's not ready to sleep with him yet and it's fine whatever but I uh, loved it absolutely loved it all the I think that, you know, Billy was all right as well, but I don't think the scene needed Billy in the slightest. And I was still watching it a little thinking, so Dev's saying isn't shagging about great. And the vicar's there going, yeah, preach. Uh, he's no, like I thought the... he was fine. I thought he was funny. I, he was a bit more subtle than Dev. It needed him there. Otherwise, it's literally just a man getting drunk in his house, molesting two children, talking to them about sex. Uh, I, I I think this, it, it needed Billy well there, then. otherwise it would have been weird. I I, I uh, just wish, I just think <laughs> having this vicar there, sort of okay. championing fornication. Billy is not your average vicar, Michael. No, he's, he's cool. a vicar with attitude. He's a vicar with no morals. Mm, yeah, that's the one, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, really, Fine. really, really funny scene. Great week. I don't want Ardy and Ashley to grow up because it won't be funny anymore as, as much when Dad's like this. This is the good old days of the Alahans now. Really, We're really in a is. golden Alahan yes, age. Appreciate them while you can. Yes. Right. right. Week the I enjoyed most of it apart from Fridays. I was I was actually really really into Corey this week and. Like you said earlier, we've been really stressed out. So oh, we've, we've been having to watch it on the iPlayer as well, haven't we? Because we haven't had a TV plugged in. So we've been watching it on this tiny screen and it's been a nice break to our stressful day. He's just been able to sit back and blob out and watch it. Yes. What were you saying? I don't know. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. You said you were really into Coronation Street this week. 
But coronation, but but Fridays was a bit of a letdown for you. Was it mostly because of the speed? Fridays stuff? felt like. Um, I really don't want to be mean because everybody tried their hardest, and all the actors were really really trying to breathe life into this. But it felt like such a, you know, deflated. Everything there was no energy in any of the scenes, and and they were trying to. The actors were trying to portray suspense and drama, but the situation and the script, I don't know. There was just no energy in it. And it wasn't anyone's... I can't pinpoint why, what happened, you know, because it was a... The tarantula loose in a restaurant, it's such a cliche thing, but Coronation Street can do cliche and make them funny and interesting, even if they're not original Mm. um, and unique. But something about it was just missing. It's very, yeah, by the numbers. By the book. So Fridays was a massive letdown. If we, if I just watched the rest of the week, I'd be scoring this like four. Mm. I, I'm go, I'm settling on the three. I think I, I liked having the older characters together for the Norris story, even if I didn't think it was quite as respectful as it should have done. The Alina story was great. I think it's on. It's had its ups and downs, but on the whole, that has been this a very was a strong, very story solid the week for that story. I, I really, it really, thought really was. Yeah, this was great. I loved the stuff under the table with All, Tyrone. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved that. I, I loved um, Dev and and um, Ardian and Summer and Billy. That was brilliant. Nice to see some comebacks, even if there wasn't a single one comeback that I was like super thrilled about it was but it's always nice to see an old face again isn't it great to see more toya and imran i'm really glad that they've got a really big yeah but story. I thought, oh, imran oh being horrible to toya this is the thing be careful what you wish for i always knew that when we were demanding our um our imran toya and, toya and imran fix. fix that it would result in some sort of relationship issue mm. because that's all cory knows what to do with with relationships so I knew this was going to come if we ended up with more of them. I'm just hoping that Sabine was a one-off and it's not going to turn into a sordid affair. <laughs> I am going to give this week's episode three marginally discounted Toblerones out of five. What about you? I'm going to give it three and a half long and, a half. and satisfying finishes. <laughs> very nice, very nice. My character of the week, I'm going to say, is... Dev. For me, no. because of that scene, I that was the like you said, it was the deviest dev that ever dev'd, and if dev, you know, is never in it again, we I I know I he's peaked. I I I love him. I thought this was the funniest scene he's ever been in. I was lapping it up. I wanted more. I I can I can't praise it enough. Jimmy Hargishan is amazing. How he can go from that to the scene when he was berating Imran in the street? Mm. What a talent! He really, really is. I, I think, although I absolutely adored that scene as well, um, for consistency throughout the week, I'm going to give it to Fizz um, for oh. sticking to her guns with Tyrone. Yeah, as much as her. I would have liked to have him to taken uh, her for her to have taken him back, no, she stuck with Phil. I thought that she was lovely with Phil. I think they make a nice couple. She was done up all nicely as well. Nice, very. Uh, she looked pleasing great. to the eye. And um, and yeah, yes, yeah, but basically just sticking to her guns and saying stuff you Tyrone rather than just. You know, letting uh, him walk all oh, over. Oh, I've her. got my chance for my my dream Tyrone. Yeah, so Fizz is my character of the week. I'm going to say good. Yeah, right. Um, I think that is, is that a long street talk. We've we've done this in segments. Not only did we have a delivery man come to deliver chairs, we also had um a man to come and have a look at our attic in the middle of this street talk. And Gemma wanted a cup of coffee, so I don't know how long we've been talking, but um, it's, I think I'll stop. Well over two hours. And get into the cabin. 
Right, we'll maybe make this a little bit quick because we're trying to blast through the rest of this episode on this Saturday afternoon, but I did want to spend a bit of time to say congratulations, Coronation Street, after doing a brilliant job last week with the NTAs and the uh, TV Choice Awards, absolutely killing it and getting a clean sweep. You only cleaned up again at the Television Radio Industry Club Awards this week, the tricks. We got Shelley King was voted the best soap actor and Coronation Street won the best soap. Yet again, the other soaps didn't get a look in. Congratulations, Coronation Street. And I'm so pleased for Shelley as well because I think I mean, she, she has had awards for her, um, uh, the, the Jeff and Shelley, uh, the Jeff and Yasmin story, hasn't she? But um, is I this think the this first is pro- time she's actually gone to pick one up in person? Quite possibly, quite possibly. I so really, I haven't seen a video, but I've seen some pictures of her on a stage accepting it. This week. I really, in my mind, wanted to see her on on the stage mm. getting a big, you know, everyone applauding her because mm. she did such a fantastic job. So I'm glad that she was lauded. I think this is work. probably the last recognition that that particular story yeah. will do. And well, I mean, it's pretty late as it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's nearly a year old since that's passed, but it's great. So in the past week, we've had Sally Carmen, Molly Gallagher and Shelley King, all particular favourites of ours, picking up these gongs. Very, very thrilled for them. Well yes. done. Yeah. Um, next bit of news. This is another big one. We have got a change of sponsorship for Coronation Street, haven't we? The Costa shop is in... Um, Victoria Street is being replaced by an e e shop, which is a phone um, network, isn't it? It's a network provider. Mobile phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to start seeing this next week on Coronation Street. Um, the cost is going to get boarded up. I don't know where they're all going to get their super skinny lattes from or anything now. Have to get it from Roy's. Roy, Roy must be rubbing his hands with glee yes, with us. Yes, I can he? get a new phone. Um, <laughs> Roy doesn't have a mobile phone, does it? I don't think maybe. Now I don't he will. think anyone can get away with not having a mobile um, phone. So uh, and according to the press release, we will also see e e employees and shopping bags integrated into episodes now this has kind of got me worried a little bit partly because i don't like the idea of quite so quick a rotation of sponsorships because it's not been long has it like two years maybe that that cost has been there and i it it will start to feel a little bit more commercial if they're just constantly swapping them out and also it has felt relatively natural to have characters holding costa cups although i still every time i see them with them i go uh costa costa I think that if they start trying to put too many EE bags into shots, it's going to feel very unnatural. Because how often in daily life do you see somebody carrying a bag from a mobile phone shop? Never. I mean... Maybe what, what, can, one person in the whole of the city centre. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people people buy phones all all the time, but you in in this street of carrot of you know a hundred characters, there's only so many times that they need to go to an EE shop. It's not like there's always an excuse to go to Costa. So what are they doing? Buying little phone styluses or, or cases for them? I, I don't know how it's going to fit in. And the same for the EE employees. What's that going to be? We've not seen any Costa employees, have we? So is somebody in an EE shirt going to turn up at the Rovers? this one more so than the other ones, I'm feeling like it's going to be a little bit intrusive. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a bit weird, honestly. When they said um, putting an EE shop in, I thought, oh, okay, because you're fed up with how um, you didn't like the fact that Costa was everywhere. So you've got a sponsorship for literally just the front of the shop um, because how could you possibly have EE anywhere else? And then they're saying shopping bags and employees wandering around. It just seems, no, no. Mm. And, yeah, and like I, says, said, I don't need it changing all the time. Well, it's, I mean, how long has that been? That's like two, two, three years or so. Not long. So, Not long at all. Um, 
Are you going to read this quote? I'll, I'll read a quote. I've got Mark Trinder, who's the Director of Commercial Sales and Partnerships at ITV. He said, The shopfront in Coronation Street are the pinnacle of product placement on British TV. He picks himself up a bit, didn't he? And I'm thrilled to have EE's newest retail store on the cobbles. While we can't see the full shopfront on screen just yet, the team are working hard to build it for the opening later this year. Mostly How long does it take to open up an EE shop to fit out a Costa to turn it into a phone shop? Surely not that long. We've got to take the coffee machines out. Yeah. Leave them in. I'll like a coffee while I'm buying them a new phone. Mm. Anyway. Convert them into a heat pump. This opening later this year, I wonder if it's going to be tacked into the new extension that they're building. When are they going to open that? Who knows? I, I don't think it is. And they don't need to have a proper opening on, on the show. They're not going to have characters saying, oh, look, there's an EE store opening. They I will. need to change I my phone they contract. They better I, not do. I, I hope they don't because I'm not, I'm, I'm not liking it. It's... In a, we, we had a longer discussion when we, they unveiled the whole Victoria Street extension and there's a very fine line between, OK, that feels normal because we see this in real life and well, listen, it's being shoved down our throats. Pete Jevons, Jevons, the marketing communications director at AEE, has got some things to tell you. Our You're retail stores are recognisable on high streets and in communities across the country offering personal, local service and the best possible customer experience. In fact, <laughs> 95% of the population is within a 20-minute drive of an EE store. So it's with great pleasure that we announce our latest store opening, this time at the heart of one of the most iconic communities on TV, Coronation Street. There are so, of them around. all this time... Weatherfield has been one of the 5% of the country that has to drive more than 20 minutes to get to their local EE shop. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they How coped. do you know there's not one just down Tile Street, though? Ask Pete. Mm. Yeah, anyway, look out for that, everybody, and, and let's just hope that it doesn't annoy us too much. Speaking of annoyment... Annoyance. <laughs> the last bit of news that I wanted to mention, again, thank you to Rebecca for sending all of this to us this week, um, is um, 137 people complained about last Friday's episode, Gemma. That was the one with the trial verdict. And apparently, most of the complaints were about the verdict. What? The Ofcom is not to complain when you didn't like something. I think it's just down for the fact that people, uh, fair enough, have said that this doesn't pay tribute properly to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation and they've soaked it up and it shouldn't have been. I, I tried to complain about um, a TV programme once Ofcom and it's really actually not that easy. Isn't that what you have to do? You have to fill in all these bits about when it was on and what it was called. You can't just throw a rock through their window and put <laughs> <laughs> Coronation Street taped onto it. They've got the Ofcom offices have got like a rock slot, like blockbuster you stuff for tapes. You just throw your rock in the hole and they pick up the complaint on the other side. I'd complain more if it was that. That sounds quite fun. So when, so when you see... Can we did that to our solicitors. Yeah, 137 people complain. They're really mad. This is the thing. They're really mad about it because it's not that easy. No. Oh, well. Sorry. Good for them. Um, it's not going to do anything, is it? What I mean, what do you want to happen? If you want to vent, just vent to our feedback section, which somebody, somebody is later. I don't, I don't see the point. I don't see the point of going to Ofcom with these things. Unless they've breached the broadcasting, whatever, standards or something... Yeah. There's you can't complain about it. You just can't have a, a a world where nothing offends or upsets you on television. No, no. Grow up, snowflakes. Maybe in parallel <laughs> universe where Mary Whitehouse takes charge and she's now prime minister. I would love to work on the yeah. I'd love to work on the switchboard, at Ofcom. Hi, Ofcom. What's your complaint? Have you thought about starting a podcast? <laughs> right, that is it for our news. We've got some feedback, and then we are going to finish this podcast. So let's head over to the feedback section right now. Feedback time. 
They liked last week's Jam in the Facebook group. We got loads of people voting last week and they ended up with 4.26 as their average score out of five. That's Pretty really good. High. Very, very good. Enjoyed the trial episodes on the whole. Um, Emma gave it five unhemmed black veils out of five, whilst Ricky gave it four and a half scotches with no ice. Mm. Sophie um, gave it five cocaine powdered wigs out of five. I did like <laughs> that. Well done. Okay, Jebba. Straight to Richard. Now, he sent this to us, um, I think this came yesterday before yesterday's episode broadcast. So what is he thinking about this week's curry? He says, I'm sending this prior to Friday's episode, so hopefully this positive feedback won't be premature. But what a stellar week. Always sorry to see an old favourite depart, but farewell to Norris. I thought he was talking about Lena then. (laughs) I loved his character from the outset and his bants in the 90s with Derek, the original Dirk. Growing up, I had a great uncle I was very fond of who had a look at Norris about him and was also naturally very inquisitive in um, speech marks. So I always felt a connection to the character. Great to see the return, however fleeting it might be, of Frida and Claudia. Comedy and grief is what Corrie does best for me and Norris's demise has embodied that. I've just been an old grump about it, really. The twists in the Fizz, Tyrone, Alina storyline have been great this week. I had a suspicion that Alina was lying about not being pregnant and it is good how they left the door open at the end of the Thursday's episode for a future Alina return together with a baby Tylina. Tylina. <gasps> Love it. Tyrone hiding underneath the table was a proper laugh out loud moment for me. I haven't referenced the R. Kelly inca- incarceration, the start of what looks like a strong Daniel slash new Mac school storyline and speed dial action, but this week has it all for me. As a glass half full viewer when it comes to the show, I know that my high weekly scores tend to distort the averages, but it's looking very much like another five out of five week. Ooh, Richard. What do you think about tarantulas? Generally, people didn't like Fridays. I wonder whether you would... I'm going to have to check I want to know what he thinks, yeah. yeah. Thank you for your feedback, Richard. And uh, we have got something from Susan as well, and who says... Uh, this is Susan from New Zealand. She says, I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed your interview with Charlie DeMello. Thank you very much. Um, you're so right. He has the potential to be a co-presenter. <laughs> I thought as I was was listening oh i'm listening to michael and Gemma. except Gemma's voice is deeper and michael isn't interrupting much oh she says if you read this out the last sentence must be in a new zealand accent that's too what's that is that like is it basically australian am it's... i allowed to say that was is susan completely offended now i'm not i'm not i wouldn't dare to say i'm listening to michael and Gemma. except Gemma's voice is deeper and michael isn't interrupting as much That was good. Is it? I don't know. Feedback from the trial from Susan. The writers had a number of opportunities for Kelly to show a bit more remorse, not just terror for her own predicament. This would have helped us to want her to welcome her back. Yeah, she had a bit of a Prince Andrew moment, didn't she? Mm, Yeah, wouldn't Mm. they? Still, perhaps this is to come. Poor Imran missed opportunities to secure his case. Thank goodness, because this is a storyline that's going to keep on giving. Finally, I so, so, so agree with you and original poster that Curtis is digging himself a deep hole of lies and deceit. And I don't know how to spell the official diagnosis. I wouldn't know how to spell no, for she's, for, no idea. I can't even say it. No idea. Facetious disorder. I'm glad you're enjoying it, Susan. Good Thank stuff. you, Susan. Oh. oh, Charlie's head is now just a little bit bigger. Charlie is muscle, almost as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> Got a deeper voice than you, we've learned. I can do that too. Dave. Uh, it's me, Charlie DeMello. Now, this is, I, I, okay. I, I stole this off the Facebook group because we have a dissenting opinion yeah. about the trial. This is all... We all we welcome here. We all we welcome all dissent and, and um, arguments. I like arguments. Go on. Dave, he says it's going to be a very popular opinion. But very popular. Very unpopular. Unpopular. But whatever, he says, immediately, he doesn't care what you think. 
Let's hear what Dave want, wants to say. Going into this storyline, I was hoping that it would be treated with the kind of tact and grace that an angle based on a real world, world murder should be. I was hoping that it wouldn't be sensationalised and that the story wouldn't end up watered down by a bunch of other plot elements. I was hoping that the storyline would focus on hate crimes and prejudice against alternative communities. I was honestly dreading it and the only... Only the fact that the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, a charity I've been a supporter of for years, had input into it gave me much hope that it would play out in a respectful manner. This has not happened. I know that miscarriage of justice storylines aren't a new thing, and generally speaking, I don't have a problem with them existing. The difference is that this is based on a specific real-world event, with the family of the victim and the charity set up in her name working on it. Yet the story feels like a complete middle finger to them. It just feels like... A middle finger to other hate crime victims. After all, your attacker can just pin it on some convenient stooge if they want, so don't bother reporting it. Even though we spent ages promoting services for victims of hate crime and for reporting them, that doesn't matter because we wanted to do yet another sensationalist mistrial storyline. And yes, I know that at some point, Corey will get his comeuppance, which might I point out isn't necessarily the same as justice. The truth will out and Kelly will be free. That doesn't change what they've done now, nor is it likely to do anything to put it right. This isn't a storyline that should be dragged out for the sake of creating tabloid gossip. Ooh. There you go, Dave did not like it. I'm sure that Dave is not alone in thinking this. I've heard other no. people commenting about the fact that it's based on a real world story um, and it's deviated quite dramatically. I would say that the attack was the only part of the original story that Coronation Street was trying to emulate. Yeah. And I think that they would probably try to defend themselves by saying that that the, the hate crime was the Sophie Lancaster part and the rest of the story is a completely original creation of Coronation Street. Now, whether or not that's a good idea to do it that way is obviously up for debate and everybody's going to have a different opinion on it. And if you have a very um, emotional connection to it, like Dave has, because he supports the charity that is involved in it, um, you, you're not going to enjoy the, the extraneous plot lines, are you? No. I, I do wonder what the Sophie Lancaster Foundation thought about it, though, because when I was, I was speaking to Max this week, he said he hadn't heard of... He, he hadn't heard any feedback about the verdict from them, I think, but they enjoyed the flashback scenes. Well, no, enjoyed, it's not the right word, but, you know, supported them. I, I don't know what they thought. I, I still enjoyed the trial, but I can, like you said, I totally see that if you're very in the know about these things and um, supporting of the charity, I can totally see how it could have felt like, well, middle finger, like Dave said. Everybody's allowed their own opinion, and I don't, I don't want to um, diminish anybody's opinion, but to me... The story was still so different from Sophie's. And I, I, I want to say that in my mind, I found it more respectful that it was very different from Sophie's story. Because I, I just don't... I think they changed the details enough that it wasn't a recreation. Because I just don't think that that's what Courage should be about. I think to replay the whole crime exactly as it yeah, was beat beat. wouldn't have been appropriate. And, you know, in, in the real life... Sophie was the one who was murdered and her boyfriend survived and that that's flipped and Seb also both Sophie and her boyfriend um were both wearing goth outfits Seb wasn't and the people that attacked Sophie were random strangers who just literally only saw what they were wearing and picked on them for that reason whereas Corey and the rest of the gang had 
knew who they were and targeted them not just because of the way they looked yeah because they didn't like her for that but there was also other reasons yeah so there are so many different elements of this story that i just felt that corey kind of gave themselves artistic license right from the off to change the elements but dave i completely understand what you're saying and this is the problem that coronation street is always going to come up against when they use inspiration from real life situations and the question is how much does the the like the sophie lancaster foundation how much do they own that story you know and and telling it in a different way is there not a benefit to that because retelling sophie's story exactly as it is we've already heard her story we already know the story the horrible tragic story and um to tell it in a slightly different way gives a different perspective and it might sort of bring people into understanding it from a Mm. from a slightly different angle yeah yeah but yeah whenever like i said whenever there's a real world they don't do it very often, though. No, no, not very. There's not often that you can uh, pinpoint. For example, is... they worked with the Stephen Lawrence um, Foundation, Stephen Lawrence Day Foundation, for um, the, the the story I referenced earlier with Ed and re- redoing the the bistro. They worked with them, but that story in no way represented anything that happened with Stephen Lawrence. No. So that's another different way of working with a charity. No, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of any other stories that were. Close as as close as these two, I'm sure there were, but they're not that. No, they're, no, they're the thing is, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation and the Stephen Lawrence Day Foundation, I think that's what it's called, both are based on crimes that have been committed against somebody, whereas most of the other charities they work with are either mental health or um, mm. medical ones. Yeah. yeah. Right. Very interesting. Thank you for your uh, writing that on the Fangirl Overload 123, who we hear from every now and again. Right. Um, her feedback on last week's Coronation Streak, and she says she has opinions on them, so she's going to tell them right now. Um, I will start off positively and say it was absolutely amazing. These past two weeks have been brilliant. I honestly didn't know where the verdict would go until today, which shows good storytelling. Roy is the best, no other words needed. Only thing wrong was Imran and Sabine. Trust Curry to undermine and ruin one of the best stories of the past 60 years by having a stupid affair angle put in it. Character of the week is Roy, and I give it four and a half ashes in a dog poo bin out of five. So there you go, there's Fangirl Overload kind of agrees with Dave there about making sallying it soapier. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nancy wrote in and she said, When the trial began, I was hopeful that Corey would be found guilty. As it progressed, I could see that there were problems. I thought Imran did a good job establishing a strong motive for Corey. I thought he showed that Kelly did not have the strength to stop Corey or kill Corey herself. I also thought that because Nina's testimony was strong, it would make the case that Corey was guilty. When I saw that the prosecutor was targeting Kelly, I realised Kelly was going to be found guilty. Alarm bells went off when the prosecutor did not question Corey much at all. I could not believe that the jury could not discern Corey's true character. Corey should have been found guilty. Kelly should have been found guilty of a lesser crime. I definitely agree with that. Mm. Um, the performances were all outstanding. My character of the week is Kelly. Shout out to Roy. I felt Toya and Imran can survive any obstacle in their way. No couple can survive any obstacle in their way. That's why I'm a little bit worried. Oh, yeah, I give obviously. this week's episodes four veils out of five. Thank you very much, Nancy. And finally, we have got Rebecca, who just had a little notification. She just posted on our Facebook group. Um, her opinions on last week's Corrie, first of all, I'll go through the mini storylines. I think Tyrone will go to Romania, even coming back, maybe married. 
<laughs> you couldn't be further from the from the correct there, Rebecca, as Alina was hinting with the pictures. Fizzwill uh, was definitely not wanting him to go, but she suddenly told him to. This might be the final straw, but I'm still hoping Emma tells Alina as she really needs to know. The only good thing about the Phelan story was George and Eileen finally getting together after what seems like ages. The dog poo thing was disrespectful. Yeah, and I still wish they had a nice scattering. Finally, I'm sure Curtis might turn a bit evil as I don't trust them anymore. And you might be right about the lying thing. I don't want Emma to be hurt again, though she's too though, uh, though she's too sweet. I did like the Mr. Locker Mrs. Key though. That was cute. Anyway, on to the main story. And first I would like to say how disappointed I was with the verdict. I was convinced they would be both found guilty and also finding Corey not guilty is disrespectful towards the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. We have got... Whole there you go. Gamut of opinions. It's a very here. popular opinion, it yeah, seems. Yeah, yeah. I'm just hoping they will eventually find something to prove Corey's guilt. Like I think Gemma said, Kelly deserves to be found guilty of something but not murder. All signs point towards Imran and Sabine sleeping together, but I don't think it will go towards a full affair. I kind of understand Imran's reasonings. He's hurt over losing the case and he's just argued with Toya. And then, and uh, Sabine is there and Imran thinks she knows him with the ice comment, which Toya missed beforehand. So you don't, you don't need much of an excuse, Gemma. You better watch out. Oh. Uh, so uh, he just wants to numb the pain and thinks that this will do it. Especially when he finds out about Kelly, he will snap out. But that might be too late. Will Toya forgive him? I don't know. But an interesting twist would be if Savine fell pregnant. But with but Imran and Toya took the baby in, especially if Imran was regretful. <laughs> oh yeah, so Sabine's going to die. <laughs> I just have this mental image of Toya like scrabbling around in the gutter, like looking for a baby. Any baby. I'll take any anyone's baby. Even my boyfriend's ex-wife's <laughs> affair baby. Um, I'm hoping nothing did happen, Rebecca says. But like you mentioned, all the signs are there. I'm feeling so much for Abby and also for Nina. Both have lost someone they loved and both wanted Corey to go down. I'm absolutely adored Nina and Roy scenes this week and also the Roy and Dev scenes. Especially Roy break... What are you doing? I'm trying to look at the Facebook group to see what Rebecca said. Oh, okay. Um, I adored the Nina and Roy scenes, Roy and Dev scenes, Roy breaking the dishes. Corey doing the wink was just speechless, though. I'm assuming this story will be rested for a few weeks now with bits of trying to find new evidence dotted in here and there, and maybe they will come close in the middle to late October in Super Soap Week. Character of the Week for Rebecca was Roy, plenty of others, Kelly, Abby, Corey, but Roy just stood out to me, and she gave it four chess games played with human lives out of five. There we go. Thank you very much. Thank that you, was Rebecca. Very, yeah, Did you find on, anything Rebecca. on Facebook? Rebecca was asking who Phil should end up with once he and Fizz inevitably split up so that Fizz and Tyrone can get together. Yeah. And she suggested Jenny. Oh, no. Mate. I'd rather she was going out with Jenny than, 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 uh, sorry, than Phil than Ronnie for sure. Oh, well. Also, we have to quickly say to one of our listeners, oh, yeah, Morgan. Morgan, who has oh, recently um, had a bit of a, a time... I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, he has had a time. He's had a bit of an injury this week, hasn't he? He's a, he, we mentioned him recently on the podcast. He's just gone off to university, hasn't he? I know. And, um, and now start. you've got a great icebreaker for people to talk to you about what the hell have you done to your leg. Yes. yes so just yes. think about that, Silver Lining. If you're being mysterious here and you want to find out more, please do join our Facebook group. Yes. Go don't... to facebook.com, type in Conversation Street. Don't just like the page, but join the group as well. Yes, we have a page and a group. Yes. You have to join the group for lovely. all the fun. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Average View, yeah, and YouTube. YouTube, I, I Patreon. Did, right. I didn't Quickly. put anything... Yeah, I'm just saying, I didn't put anything on YouTube on Thursday. I could usually put an old one up. We, I'm sure you understand that I 
just didn't have the time, headspace, energy or anything. I'll try to get back to that this week. But next week, we are not having a bonus podcast. I have not got time to get anything ready for this. I'm going to be working from dawn till dusk tomorrow. I'm so behind all my schoolwork. So I haven't got time to do anything for that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sure you understand. Hopefully, we'll be back to that the week after. But there is definite possibility that at some point over the next few months, house things might get in the way. But not of our main podcast. I'm still determined that we'll be doing our Street Talk one. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Goodbye from us. Goodbye. See you. Music from this episode came Came from from podcastthemes.com. New house.